No portion of this program may be reproduced without information Friday to you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank the Lord it's Friday. I told you Joe was going to be back today, and you guys said, oh, no, I don't think so. You guys, I didn't say anything about it. No, Chris. Uh huh. Well, he's, he's big enough for guys. Lumpy. This is true. Lunk. He's uh, big enough to be two guys. Anyway, he's giving me, no, no, I don't think so. I think Monday. Uh, you don't think. That's the problem. Okay. When the voice of reason oh, God. speaks, there is a reason I said it, and that's because I heard it. I heard it with my own one ear. You know that story I was telling you about that they were teasing on Raw Story? Yeah. Very disappointing. Well, you know, it's kind of like guilt by association or innuendo or like that. It's not the big blockbuster I thought it was going to be about your Yay. governor. How well did Florida governor know alleged child porn peddlers, the headline? Sounds really titillating, but it's... Uh... Floridians were shocked last week when police announced that the spokesman for the state's Department of Children and Families had been arrested and charged with peddling child pornography. Oh, my God. But... Buried in news accounts of the case was a curious detail. The official in question had listed the state's current Republican governor, Charlie Crist, gay, as a reference when he applied for his post in 2005. <coughs> governor Crist returned to the news as the nation awaited the outcome of the Republican presidential primary in Florida. The Sunshine State's governor's endorsement of John McCain late in the campaign may have helped push McCain across the finish line to take the state's 57 delegates. Chris's endorsement also contributed to winning the campaign of Rudy Giuliani, who had heavily courted the governor's thumbs up. Thumbs up where? Rectum. Oh. Just after the Florida electoral contest, Tampa Bay police announced the arrest of Al Zimmerman, the spokesman for the state's Department of Children and Families. Zimmerman, a former TV reporter, was charged with eight child porno counts after taking photos of two underage boys performing sexual acts. 
Some evidence indicates he may have met one of the boys on the job. He may have had additional victims. He could face up to 120 years in jail. While the news prompted state officials to say they were reviewing the personnel files of state employees for red flag, uh, flags, Zimmerman appeared to have come highly recommended when he was appointed to his post in 2005. Among the five references he listed, one of them was Chris, then the state's attorney general under fat-ass Governor Jeb Bush. Charlie Gay. Christ. Christ's office has implied that the governor had little direct connection to Zimmerman, and the listing of top state officials as references was a routine matter. An AP report noted the governor doesn't recall authorizing a recommendation for Zimmerman, but added that he often is asked to give them, spokesman Aaron Isaac said Sunday. But according to some earlier accounts, Chris was directly aware of Zimmerman and his work as an on-air talent for a Tampa-area TV station. A spokeswoman for the governor said Chris knew Zimmerman through his reporting job in Tampa Bay, but doesn't remember being asked to be one of his references. Regardless of how well Zimmerman and Chris knew each other, and it says here knew one another, state officials made it clear that Chris was never formally contacted prior to the spokesman's hiring in 2005. Prior to his appointment as a spokesman for the uh, FDCF, Zimmerman appears to have had a colorful past. News reports indicated he faced an outstanding warrant in Texas for theft. Additionally, he was arrested on DUI charges in Georgia in the 90s. In 2003, arrested for passing a bad check in Florida, but the case was dropped. As a reporter, Zimmerman also made waves, according to the Tampa Tribune, a report that Zimmerman completed called Perverts in the Park provoked controversy when it aired in Texas in 96. The TV report focused on a public restroom in a park in San Antonio where gay men met for trysts. And when the news item was broadcast, Zimmerman forgot to digitally blur explicit sexual images recorded with a hidden camera. It also appears that Zimmerman may have contemplated a career in online pornography as far back as the 90s. News reports indicate that he and his brother bought the URL boxersorbriefs.com but never began using it. While Zimmerman appears to have engaged in illicit activity online, he also created a public trail that might have exposed him to controversy had it been uncovered prior to his arrest. On his MySpace profile, he describes himself not only as a government employee but also as a swinger. Oh, he remarks that he's looking for someone who hates to cuddle afterward as well as a friend that likes to pay for everything. The profile, furthermore, the Zimmerman is straight, but a friend joked in his comment section that he was gay, prompting another friend to remark, if we all stopped commenting on everyone's sexual persuasion, maybe the press wouldn't have anything to report. Well, he's like everybody. He's straight. You know what I'm saying? I'm straight. Good. I'm straight. Well, it's about time. Don't you believe me? I'm straight. That's about time he came out. around. Yeah, he straightened it out. So there's just a little, I'm just waiting, man. You'll, you'll see. Mark my words. I told you about Miss Foley a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And you'll see with your uh, governor, Gay. your whitehead Republican governor, by the way, just like Miss Foley, another self-hating fag Republican. God, it's like a disease, you know, that self-hating uh, thing. It is. Explain that to me. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. We need the, somebody far brighter than us. Anyway, here's the poll result from yesterday, and I'm going to change it. We've got a uh, one of our demographic surveys. I'm going to do. Oh well, we don't have it on there yet. Well, I faxed it to Eric, but he doesn't have it. Damn it! See, I, I assume that he's got it done because I faxed it like about 45 minutes ago. So I'm assuming that Eric's right on top of it. But mm -hmm. it's Friday. You know, he's probably eating like several bologna sandwiches now. Get ready for a big, big eating weekend. Ow, well, I looked ow. up, um, I googled uh, Red Lobster reviews. And okay. interestingly, I found a mixed bag. A lot of negatives, which I expected because, oh, but uh, some good ones too. Huh. But now I can't I can't vouch for the one. We never got a fax or uh, any calls about it. Do you get any calls about it, Chris? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, why not? Well, he's not answering. Were you phone. taking any? Oh, uh, sure, no. Call Chris and tell him about Red Lobster. Okay, tell him if it's good. There's one really negative one from Boca. So. Really? So I take it you didn't go uh, back yesterday. 
No. No, it was too slushy and nasty right. after, no, uh, after a foot of snow. I know all about it. What? I said I know all about it. Slushy and nasty. What does that mean? That when it gets slushy and nasty, you don't want to go outside. You don't want to. Oh, go and so uh, Paco brought me lunch uh, here instead, so I didn't have to go out. He was afraid I was going to slip and break my neck. Mm-hmm. We all are. I didn't slip or break my neck. Okay. Good. How do you like that? Good. I like it a lot. Jesus Christ! You act like I'm some old invalid. Well, not yet. That would be a good one. Uh, one of those two things. The audience doesn't know any of these people, but who, who's going to push me around in my chair when I get to be old and gay and gray? Mm. And... The best candy bar in the world is, and yeah, we got some things on here that aren't candy bars per se, and you know what? Sue us, okay? Too bad. Oh, look at that. Eric, as soon as I said that, he put the new pull up there. How do you do that? Magic. Magic. How do you do that? He's amazing. He is an amazing human being. Well, I think he's human. The best candy bar in the world is Snickers, just like the other time we've done this pull about five years ago or eight years ago, whenever we've done it. Too bad we don't have the dates on that history thing. Wouldn't that be fun? Not fun, but it would be informative. Yes. The first time we did a poll on the candy bars, we had a thousand votes, and this time we've already got uh, eleven fifty-nine, and that's without all these great phone calls too. How are we doing that? Like, uh, what's his name? What was the guy's name? There, the last caller, Joe Hand, who calls every single day. Stormcat. Who? Stormcat. Stormcat. Yeah, another chronic with nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, and you think we had bad calls, huh? The only thing about the sports nerds is that they like talking to those people over and oh I, I don't I don't get it I, I just I don't know what am I missing I I don't know I, mean, I'm I know it kill too. some good time but best candy bar in the world Snickers two twenty eight Reese's one thirteen boy we're not real happy about that Reese's peanut butter cups oh my God wow a lot of peanut butter lovers out there I guess. I mean, if there's anything in the world that just doesn't make any sense to me, the combination of peanut butter and chocolate, it's like dill pickles and halava. You know, just, I don't know. I like the combination. It's the only way I'll eat peanut butter. I thought you said you didn't like Reese's. No, they're mushy, but there are other things that have, like, uh, peanut peanut butter in it, like Butterfinger. Butterfinger 73, Milky Way 62, Almond Joy 51, Peter Paul uh, Almond Joy. Peter Paul Mounds and Peter Paul Almond Joy. Isn't that Peter Paul and Mary? Three Musketeers 50, Twix. 49. I don't like Twix. Nah. Ruth, baby Ruth, 46. Hershey's 44, and I realize that Hershey's makes like 100 different uh, bars, but, you know, we couldn't put them all on there, like the one with the uh, almonds and toffee. Now, that's good. You've had yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good, as opposed to like your regular mm-hmm. waxy right. Hershey's. In fact, that ought to be across the, street. across the street. That ought to be their flagship uh, candy right. bar. I could eat a whole bag easy. Because Hershey's is waxy chocolate. Kit Kat 41, Mounds 38, Heath Bar 38, M&M's 37, M&M got a couple of votes, $100,000 Bar 37, Chunky 33, Turtles 28, those are good. Cadbury's 25, they make some uh, good stuff. Oh, and you know what else is good? Ritter, Ritter Sport, did you ever have that? No. It's a European thing, you never had that? No, never it's heard of it. It's all over the place here. Ritter? They're like uh, square, they're like um, mm. big squares of chocolate, all different kinds, dark and with uh, nuts and craft and stuff. You never had Ritter Sport? Don't think so. Well, too bad. Cadbury's 25, Clark Bar 19. I sure wish I could find some. I know, Dafta Xavier Lochenkopf. Right. Score 18, Payday 18, Mars 16. Whatchamacallit 14. Yeah, I like uh, whatchamacallit, depending on who it's attached to. Nestle's 14, Smarties 13. Oh, Henry 11, Mr. Goodbar 10. Take 5, 9, Bitto Honey 9, Tootsie Roll 7, Crunchy 7, and what, what happened with... Uh, 
What? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Crunchy got uh, seven. That's not so good. And uh, Arrow Bar in last place, and deservedly so, six. I was in, where the hell was I? At the convenience store last night, getting me my caffeine-free diet Pepsi. And I just looked. I didn't buy any, but I looked at the uh, candy, and there was the Arrow Bars. Oh, oh, fat. Like sucking air, you know, like that. Sucking air. To make a long story short, they suck. Biggest names. The best talent. Sports Radio 18, another uh, much ado about nothing, Lindsay Lohan. She's really uh, big news, ain't it? So we're doing a demographic survey again. I know they're not very exciting. It's uh, just a, a survey. Can we, are we allowed to do those once in a while? It's kind I of interesting, can, I think. Right. It's not as scintillating as what your favorite candy bar or your favorite uh, jar of Vaseline, but nevertheless. But what is? Sean Taylor autopsy report released. Dade prosecutors released the autopsy report on the death of Washington Redskins safety Sean Taylor yesterday. The report confirmed previous reports that he died of a single gunshot wound to the groin. Taylor was shot during a botched robbery at his Palmetto Bay home early in the morning of November 26th. His girlfriend, uh, Jackie Garcia, and their infant daughter were in the bedroom with him when the insiders' intruders burst into the home. The report shows Taylor's right arm was grazed by a second bullet. After he was shot, Garcia called 9-11. Rescue personnel took Taylor by helicopter to Jackson. Doctors worked on him for more than 24 hours before pronouncing him dead November 27. Almost a week later, police arrested four Lee County scumbags in connection with the robbery. They're facing first-degree murder charges. We ought to fry him right there on Channel 7 News, right on the air. We would simulcast it. We would carry it, give it heavy promotion. Look at that. Oh, my God. Little known until now, radio station WSVU 960 AM, based in Palm Beach Gardens, starts airing Imus in the morning, 6 o'clock Monday morning. Holy moly. Can you believe that? I believe it. Imus in the morning in the Palm Beach. Oh, my God. Imus is so boring. Yeah, he is. That's probably enough to make uh, Sid the Kid want to get right back up there in New York, man. The area will become only the second market in Florida after Tampa to pick up shock jock Don Imus nine months after he trashed the women of Rutgers University basketball. Fired by CBS Radio in April, Imus returned to work in December at ABC Radio Networks. I've already got a lot of positive feedback from advertisers, said SVU owner Chet Tart, about his move. And listeners love the idea. 
The station usually plays American standards like Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand, aiming to reach the 45-plus crowd. 45-plus my ass, 65-plus, even older than me, and that's old. So is Tart ready for more controversy? What happened last year won't happen again, Tart says. Besides, this show's on a 30-second delay. About 30, man. The network took all its precautions. Now, what's the story on that frequency? Have they got any kind of a signal? 960? I never heard of it. Me either. Let me look it up. Of course, I don't go looking. I'm going to look it up. All right. Want me to play some filler music? No, I'll, I can handle it. I just typed it in uh, the Google the Google box. Welcome to Seaview AM 960. Wow. Now, Seaview, is that Palm Beach? Oh, yeah. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Tony Bennett. Woo! Can anybody pick that station up? Maybe Chicken, I can tell you. He lives in Palm Beach County. 960, America's Best Music. Slush. Got a uh, fairly marginal website. You know, not exciting, but Palm Beach Gardens. How come it doesn't say anything about their power, their anything? That's what I'd like to find out. Oh, here we go. WSVU North Palm Beach Adult Standards. Wow. And it's it's this is an ad. Can't we find something out about them? Does anybody in our building know anything about them? Well, if they did, we wouldn't know because they're not listening to us anyway. Bastards. Right. Bastards. Well, you're not talking about Shaq. We don't care about what our radio. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, Earl Stewart on cars advertising in Spanish on English TV. What? Oh, list of radio stations in the U.S. by something. Okay, here WSVU. This probably give you the, the uh, power, the whatever, whether they're directional, whether they got like 18 watts. Um... Oh, my God. No, it doesn't say that. So screw that. I don't have time to fart around with it. I never heard of it. No, me either. WSVU. I don't think they no, make... Of course, uh, you know. Who they, listens they to AM radio know. anyway? What? Who listens to AM radio anyway? Nobody. This sound, who listens to radio anyway? Now, that sounds like a really negative comment coming from you. You better butch up a little bit, mister. You better be a bit more positive about the organization. What? I'm positive. You better, yeah, positively uh, uh, yes. grossed out. Anyway, here's our, uh, I don't want to read the results. It's a survey, and it, you know, it's a lot of numbers. Then I'll get accused of mailing it in. So Imus hits the airwaves. Wow, that's going to make a big impact. Not. That's one thing about even before all that controversy when his show was syndicated in a bunch of different places. Uh, sucked wind, man. Never got any number. Oh, Can't write oh, 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 it. Doesn't, doesn't everybody want to hear a guy uh, chewing gum on the air or mumbling? Uh, talking into his chest talking about how he used to be an alky and stuff like that? What's your gender and age group? We, I, I, I dusted out, polished off the old study and rolled up my sleeves and I do-do-dood. I do-dood. You don't think that's interesting? Yeah, sure. Research? Why not? Huh? I said, yeah, sure. No, you don't. Fifty uh, tallies on there so far. Male, 35 to 54, 31. Male over 55, 11. Old farts like me. I voted on there. Female, 35 to 54, 5. Male, 25 to 34, 3. And that's it so far. Well, that's because nobody else knows that survey's on there. Let's get some more of those living and breathing people on that survey, and it'll uh, look a little bit better for us. Or maybe they're not out there. Well, you know what? Too bad. We show up every day, even even on those mornings. Like I looked at the alarm clock this morning, and I thought to myself, "I got to get up and work." And then the next thing I thought was, "I don't wanna." But you know, I did. I did anyway. It's called survival. It's almost as if people can barely stand the thought of 
George W. Bush in Congress anymore. Bush reacted, reached his lowest approval rating in the AP Ipsos poll today as only 30 percent said they like the job he's doing, including an all-time low in his support by Republicans. And Congress's approval rating fell to just 22 percent, equaling its poorest grade in the survey. Both marks dropped by four points since early January. The dour public mood. It's dour, baby, and the Dow's already down 11. They just uh, opened up. Oh, no, they opened up an hour ago. Well, whatever. It's down ten and a half. It's not much. Got any stock? <laughs> the dollar public mood seems to chiefly reflect distress over the doddering economy, which has seen job cuts, financial market slides, and real estate losses, stoking recession fears. Bush's approval for handling the economy dove to 29%, a slide of four points in a month, and matching his low on that issue. He spent billions of dollars on the war, and the economy here is suffering, said Ron Braithwaite, 41, a Democrat from Brooklyn. If you're leading this country, you should start fixing within the country, said, Attaboy, Ron. Happy Sukkot. By the way, it's, uh, let's see, Oh, you know what, uh, Purim ought to be coming pretty soon. Indeed. Look on that uh, calendar and see we when Purim is coming. Are you looking right now for it? Get your home intoxication ready. Boy, the Purims just go flying by. Happy Purim! <laughs> that was <laughs> shocking. That was scandalous. <laughs> like a simultaneous oh, uh, spasm. <laughs> Bush and Congress have been overshadowed in recent months by a presidential campaign, but Bush's acceptance by his own party is at bottom in the AP Ipsos poll. Just 61% of Republicans gave Bush positive reviews. His previous low was 65% last month. Only 28% of them expressed strong approval. And the rest of them said, Fat. They were going like, <laughs> like that. Just at the mention of his name. And, of course, the mention of Congress. My God. Bunch of wimps. Bunch of do-nothing wimps. They talk a good game. Oh, yeah, we're going to come in there with the Democratic Congress and Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid and, uh, and Pat Leahy. And we're going to do this. And but 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 Yeah, right. Doo-doo. That's what they're doing. Just like Ross Perot said. They rolled up their sleeves and did a lot of doo-doo. Now, how are we coming on that uh, demographic survey? Boy, pretty old. Like Clarence says, yeah. oh, my God. Old. Old guy. Not as old as it could be, though. What do you mean by that? Well, the over 55 crowd is, uh, you know, not... 20%. Yeah. It's too many. Still. Go away. No, don't go away. Just go, go out there and, uh, you know, get some young people. Of course, how would we get any new young people? Because I guess it's probably because of the tremendous promotional uh, campaign going on. Let's get some new people, man. Some new blood. Let's get some new blood, baby. And drink it. Sports leader. It's Fatwa Friday, you bastards. Thank you. 
Machine too. What? Well, second story is for your information. Don't uh, you know? Don't read it on the ear. Well, I mean, you can if you want to. I'm just letting you know. Don't just go start reading it and then say this isn't something I want to read on the air. Why not? Well, you I guess see you be the it's judge. Right. Lab tests reveal more than just sweets and candy. Right. That's the uh, the one that you do. That's the one I can read. Right. And the other one is Sub Rosa. Well, let me look at the other one first. Now you piqued my curiosity, and I'm yes. sure the audience is saying, "Oh, we want to hear the other one." Well, too bad. I mean, you you decide. Well, let's see. The other one says good. Da- no, this isn't the same story about the uh, chocolates, right? right? That's all part of the same thing. That's not the one I should. Uh, no, you'll look see. At. It starts with an email header. Oh, it's an email. Mm-hmm. Is it an inside job? No. No. From one of our astute listeners. Okay, let's see. You know how they listen outside the building, but not inside the building. So anything that's going on, we have to hear from uh, people outside. The, the internet building. stream is still running. What? I didn't. I didn't say anything. I said that. Oh, I was just doing my Arnold impersonation. Speaking of that, I wonder. I was thinking that this morning while I was shaving. I wonder if Wayne ever opened it yet. Wayne Arnold. That's a good question. And of course, he won't be calling in because we're not taking any calls. Oh, geez, what are we going to do? We're not taking any calls. I don't know. Send us a message in a bottle, Wayne. Send a carrier pigeon by. So what? What's the story here? This is not good. No, but it's typical. Oh, yeah. Par oh, for the long, course. long thing here, too. Well, actually, the audience is just dying to hear about this. But all know. these people getting ripped off. Well, that's uh, the way it goes. Too bad. If we were in a radio station, I'd go tell somebody who might care. But they don't. I know they don't, so I'm not Who doesn't bother. love chocolate? It says here, it evokes obsession, passion, and love. This is the one I can read. I mean, I could read the other one, too, but it would be a very bad idea. As Valentine's Day nears, many will stroll through the grocery or retail stores or even stop by a specialty shop and pick up some sweet chocolate treats for their sweetie. CBS, uh, what does that say? CBS what? I can't read it. Me either. CBS something did the same, but for different reasons. Well, CBS 11, which I don't know where that is because it doesn't say in the story what uh, market this is. Well, what difference does it make? A few weeks ago, we grabbed a shopping cart and brought... Bought chocolates made all over the world. We went to the grocery store, to the Godiva chocolate store, at the mall, and to the department store. Oh, Godiva, baby. Whoa. No one knew we were buying them to test. We took the sealed boxes immediately to a local lab, paid them to analyze the chocolate. We were looking at foreign objects that one wouldn't expect to find in chocolate. We showed people a picture of what's inside that deep, rich, sweet filling, and they might say, Gross! Which was just one of the reactions from people when we showed them what we found. Gross! Many asked, how can something that tastes so good generate such disgusting results? A microbiologist strained the chocolate, heated it up, and then let it dry. Under a microscope, everything in the sweet morsels came into focus. We don't live in a sterile environment, and the good Lord gave us a stomach that will take care of any of these little bitty things, quipped Karen Dice, a senior microbiologist with Armstrong Forensic Labs. The lab cat found a, the lab found a cat hair in the $44 box of Godiva chocolates. The findings also revealed small insect parts and clothing fibers. Well, no extra charge. Right. I could add those myself. Godiva told us these are common items that could have easily entered the product after it left our control. <coughs> Russell Stover and Whitman share the same owner and the same problems. Insect parts and human hair in both boxes of chocolate. Fat! The president of the company personally wrote a letter thanking us for bringing the matter to his attention. 
It says the company takes precautions when making chocolate and guarantees its quality and freshness. They also sent us envelopes and requested we mail the products back so the company could verify the results. Clothing fibers and part of an insect were found in the pieces tested from a box of Choxy chocolates purchased at Target. Choxy, I never heard of that. Me either. In a letter, Target said we partner closely with our vendors to ensure all our products are safe. In a box of Joseph Schmidt confections, insect, you heard what I said, tastes like Schmidt. <laughs> insect parts, a human hair, and pieces of metallic glitter all are right. in the samples. A representative of Hershey's Chocolate, speaking on behalf of Joseph Schmidt, said, I, uh, I can assure you all of our products meet stringent quality guidelines. According to the lab, the hair and the insect parts were ground up so fine it was hard to see. The FDA's limit for insect fragments is less than 90 per sample. Rodent hair is limited to less than 3 per sample. Less than 90 insect fragments per sample. Makes me feel really good. No rodent hair was found in any of the samples, but it's the gross-out factor that bothers some people. Many viewers want to know how do these things end up in chocolate. As one manufacturer points out, it's really impossible to exclude hair, bugs, and fibers from chocolate or any other natural food product. I don't think I'll be ordering my chocolate latte now, another viewer quickly added. It's impossible to exclude hair, bugs, and fibers from chocolate or any other natural food product. And why is that? There's only one question I got about that. Why? Right. Don't you wonder who wrote the Book of Love and why they can't uh, keep that crap out? I when don't doubt, know. Keep it out. I don't want no uh, rodent hair or insects. You know Jeez. that that's the case with everything, right? Anything that's, you know, factory made. Why? It's just, it's one of those things. You're going to get stuff and stuff. Well, what, what does that mean, it's one of those things? What kind of an answer is that? What kind of a non-answer is because that? Because when, when you're doing mass production of stuff, you know, you can't yeah. control, you know, you... you can't do... control that, how many rats are running around, is that it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you can, but, you know, that costs money and, uh, you know. Well, we sure don't want to pay effort. more for our, for our chocolate, I'll tell you that. That's right. So let's see, Valentine's Day's coming up uh, Thursday, right? That's Thursday, yes. And what are you eating now? So I went from Howie's. What a pig. A chicken cordon bleu sandwich. Pig. I think whoever sent that email to Joe Bell was right about you eating mm -hmm. on the air. It sounds oh, disgusting. Sounds I don't have any bacon, right? Go make some of you mm -hmm. on the air now. I don't got none. Well, I got the real stuff, you know, the regular, but I can't. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It didn't work for me, you know, the thing in the, even in the flavor wave. I didn't You'll like it. You'll get it. What do you mean? It takes a little practice. Well, I don't got time now. I got to do a spot. And the baby Speaking too. of Valentine's Day. It's Friday, you bastard. Than yours. Yeah. We 
kind of a common theme here. Did you see that the two seconds of dead air there? That's because I was throwing crap. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, what's all this uh, religious business you're uh, doing this? Uh, because today? I just uh, am tired of it. That's no, why. Fun I'm good. Huckleberry Hound and all this. I'm just, I just am overwhelmed by it. I'm sick of it. Uh, you're I'm speaking to my soul. If you want to believe a bunch of stupid crap that somebody made up thousands of years ago to try to control your mind and your money and your uh, whatever else you got, uh, go ahead. But leave all the rest of us out of it, please. God. I don't want to. Oh, yeah, I know that. 121 Natalis on our uh, demographic survey on there. It's not too bad. Not at all. 25 to 34, 9% of the audience. Uh, you know, that's not bad. Men. And female, 35 to 54, we got a dozen. How do you like that? And we actually have a uh, teenage young lady. We have one uh, female under 18. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Shocking. Male 18 to 24, only one. Only one. Solamente uno. See, you know what, the way I look at this? See, this isn't a poll like we do on the other days. This is a survey. So right. if they cared enough like Hallmark to send their very best. Oh, police say female student shot some people then shot herself in Baton Rouge. This student. Louisiana. Female shooter. Female student. Uh, in this particular case. Multiple victims. Reportedly shot to others than herself. Well, crazy people with guns, baby. Now it says woman. Didn't say it says... Possibly student, but woman. Now we got ladies with guns. Ladies are strapping suicide uh, bomb belts to their uh, thing, to their waist. Crazy people all over the place with bombs and guns and crap, all of these um, All of these things. things. You know what I'm saying? It's like the election returns. Mm -hmm. They should be pouring in on there. And in all the demographics. You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? I'm saying, where the hell are they, man? Should be thousands of people on there already. Oh, yeah, well, here I am. I want to stand up and be counted. I'm here. I'm uh, listening. I'm uh, screwing around. Whatever. This better not be another one of those ones I can't read on the air. No, you know, I'll tell you. It said, George is right. Have you ever seen the shows on TV where they, they show how they make candies or chocolate in big vats and big factories? Or even baby Therefore, food. unless the entire place is in a vacuum, there's always going to be stuff. Or small particles of hairs, insect parts, etc., floating around in the air that make their way into the vats. Mm -hmm. Well, that's crap. <laughs> it's just um, one of those things. Oh, gee. Makes you want to just stop eating. I mean, even them. when you think about it, even when you make something yourself in the kitchen, there's the odd chance that one of your hairs is going to fall in there or something. You know. Well, I don't yeah. mind if it's my hair. I, I mean, I'll you just know, right? Out. Exactly. But if it's somebody else's hair, oh, geez, I wonder who. Ooh, I wonder who that was attached to. Ah! I know it sure wasn't anybody, uh, you know, erotic. Neurotic? 134 tallies on that thing. I want to see that thing go uh, wild, man. I want to start seeing some action. This town, every once in a while, this town needs a good kick in the ass, you know. So Brandon sent us, being the student of the Godfather that he is, he sent us from um, Wikipedia, 
the crap about Tessio. Now, were you asking, or was somebody was asking about how they killed him after? It was know, me. Was it you? How did they? It screwed up all my arrangements. Yeah, it screwed up all his arrangements, but nevertheless. Tom, can you get me old dog? For old time's sake. Can't do it, Sally. Tell Mike it was only business. Always liked him. Always liked him. Yeah. Salvatore Sal Tessio. Boy, you're sure pumping out the faxes here, man. You're like crazy. Hey, Is when that they're from good, you again? they're good, yeah. They're good? Well, that's, well, good. that's a good something. Sign. It's, uh, you know, whatever it is. Sal Tessio is a fictional character in Mario Puzo's novel, The Godfather. And and look at this. It even has a birth date and a death date, 1890-1954. did they flesh that out or what? And the film based on it. In the film, Tessio was portrayed by Abe Vigoda and as a younger man in the sequel by John Apria. Tessio began with his friends Peter Clemenza and Vito Corleone as low-level hoodlums in New York City's Little Italy. See that fact? Yeah, that one can wait. says, I'm cool, this is how you sent email to Neil Rogers. A comment on Huckleberry looking to be McCain's second on the GOP ticket. Maybe he should. Hopefully, Huckleberry Hound on McCain's ticket will do for McCain what Jude Lieberman did for Gore. That's right. That's right, Betty. Incidentally, February 12th is Darwin's birthday. In celebration, Broward Atheists and Freethinkers are hosting a picnic uh, tomorrow, Saturday, February 9th, at Fern Forest Nature Center, 201 Lions Road, Coconut Creek. So let's hear it for all Freethinkers and Atheists everywhere, says Betty. All right. Doesn't say what time though, but I'll, at Fern Forest Nature Center, 201 Lions Road, Coconut Creek. All the proud atheists and free thinkers, as opposed to the stinkers. Now, speaking of uh, President's Day, because that was the deal, wasn't it, that we could choose either Martin Luther King Day or President's Day off? Yeah. And you took off on Martin Luther King Day. That's right. And I'm taking off President's Day, which is a week from Monday. Okay. I'm, I'm just telling you that right now. It just it just dawned on me that right. I was looking through my calendar and I thought, oh, President's Day, I got that day off. Sweet, sweet. I'll spend some wax. As Corleone rose to prominence in the mafia underworld, Tessio and Clemenza rose with him, each eventually settling into capo regime rules. Tessio owned the Embassy Club in Brooklyn and made it his base of operations. From there, he managed his mafia soldiers and was very well connected throughout the borough. Most federal investigators consider Tessio the smarter. He was always the smarter one. That's right. Savvier and more ruthless than the two capos. However, according to the book, he had mellowed considerably over the decade of peace between New York's mafia families. By the way, they had big mafia busts in Italy yesterday. Did you see that? No. Well, they did. I can't find a story on it anywhere, but I'll find it. His regime, including soldiers Nick Caracci, Momo Barone, Eddie Paradis, and Tommy Neary. He was initially the more trusted of the two capos during the war with the five families, was issued the task of assassinating Bruno Tattaglia. We hit Bruno Tattaglia at 4 o'clock this morning. He never really trusted Michael Corleone after he took over the family, although he was thought more of the young Don than did Clemenza and Tom Hagen. Ultimately, Tessio arranged for Michael's assassination at a peace summit set up by his enemy, enemies, Emilio Barzini and Philip Tattaglia. It was Barzini all along. In return, Tessio would inherit the Corleone family upon Michael's death. Well, I never knew that. Did you? Well, I assumed it was something like that. I didn't know, you know, specifically. No, we didn't know that. At Vito's funeral, Tessio told Michael he'd set up the peace summit to be held in his territory in Brooklyn, where he'll be safe. However, Michael had anticipated the plot by a warning, by way of a warning from his father, who had intimated the person who approached him about the peace summit would be the family traitor. Tessio's betrayal as it came as a surprise to Hagen, who thought Clemenza would be the turncoat. However, Michael wasn't surprised, saying, it's the smart move. Tessio was always the smarter one. A few days later, Tessie was ready to head for Brooklyn with Hagen. while one of the members of his regime tells him that Michael is going in a separate car. Tessio is frustrated, saying that it messed up all his arrangements. 
At that point, Hagen tells Tessio he can't go either, and several button men surround Tessio. Realizing that Michael has found out about his betrayal, Tessio asks Hagen to tell Michael that his betrayal wasn't motivated by any personal animosity, simply by business. I always liked him. Tessio was ex executed with a gunshot at point-blank range. Unbelievable. By his enforcer, Nick Garachi, in the book, The Godfather Returns. According to this book, Garachi succeeded him as capo, but in the original book, Al Neary took over the old Tessio regime. Remember Neary and the bishop? Mm -hmm. But a bing. He had that the gun hidden in a box of chocolates. I wonder if there was like hair and rodent stuff and crap in that box, you know, with a gun. Because he, remember, and he's on the train and he opened it up and he actually ate one of the chocolates. Remember that? Yep. Probably had schmutz on it. In the video game adaptation, Tessie was escorted to the place where he was to betray Michael by the game's protagonist. He subsequently fled but was hunted down and shot by the enforcer. But a bing! And he was dead. Screwed up all his arrangements, too, once he was dead. But nevertheless. So there you go. You asked for it and... This screws up all, right. all my arrangements. There it is. Speaking of crazy people, Dick Cheney, as if we needed any uh, more proof. The controversial interrogation technique of waterboarding was a hot topic in the House Judiciary Committee hearing yesterday, in which Attorney General Michael Mukasey said the Justice Department would not investigate the legality of actions of U.S. interrogators on terror detainees. CNN Situation Room, you know, that's with uh, the Farbison Wolf Blitzkrieg, right. reports that Vice President Dick Cheney, an ardent defender of U.S. tactics in the war on terror, and a crazy person for sure, was defiant about the use of waterboarding on subjects in an appearance yesterday at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Washington. Cheney said that he supported President Bush's national security decisions, which included the approval of waterboarding along with other harsh interrogation tactics. I've been proud to stand by Bush by the decisions he's made, said Cheney, who then asked aloud a rhetorical question, would I support these decisions today? You're damn right I would, he answered himself to loud cheers. Oh, yeah! Ah! bissin man. That's Dick Cheney. Darth mm -hmm. Vader. Hostile ah, evil guy. Yeah, Miserable yeah, bastard. Yeah, yeah. That's him. And he's still there in spite of all of this talk. Dennis Kucinich is going to do this, and this one's going to do that, and impeaching this one by beep, 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 and, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi says, oh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to make anybody angry. Yeah. Very sad, man. Zion America, that's all I can tell you. And uh, you, know, you know something? If I, if I had my choice, I would prefer that the Corleone family ran America as opposed to the Bush family. Oh, they couldn't be more crooked. Handle the money a lot better, I'll guarantee you that. His name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. <laughs> Any questions? 60 WQM. We got the jerk show at 2, Mad Dog 4 to 7. Not at the Super Bowl, by the way. I see Clarence got that part of it right today. Nice going, Clarence, you simpering idiot. Dolphins all assets with Barry Butel and Troy Drayton 7 to 9. Then the DA show 9 to midnight. And then after that, go to sleep. Here's a very sad story. Want to hear it? Yeah, why not? Make okay. me cry. <laughs> hey, it's the weekend. Who cares? We're not going to get sad. It's cry day, right? What happens? It's what? Isn't it cry day? Yeah, it's you cry bastards. Day. Let's have a great cry. A Clay County, Florida man has died after his motorcycle was struck from behind by his wife's Corvette. Oh, my God. Uh, but you messed up that beautiful Corvette, too. That's a shame. It doesn't say what your Corvette it was or anything about them. The FHP said 62-year-old Thomas Robinson had pulled up to a stoplight in Orange Park with his wife, 63-year-old Annette Robinson, following him in her car Wednesday night. Boy, that's unusual, a story where the husband and the wife both have the same last name. We never, we never get that in the kids, and maybe two. 
Authorities said the wife may have been distracted when her car rode up onto the motorcycle. Thomas Robinson was thrown off and run over by the Corvette and died at the scene. FHP said the accident is still under investigation. Unlikely any charges will be filed. I mean, she didn't do it on purpose that we know of, but you wouldn't want to mess up a nice Corvette, would you? No, of course not. Well, I wonder what it looks like now. I want to see a picture of that vet. Well, then, then it will be cry day. Nothing worse than messing up a beautiful Corvette. I'm sure there's something worse. What's that? Not having one? Okay. That's not good. Now, let's see if they answered my... No, they really didn't. See, I, well, it's Friday. You know, when people are finishing up the week, they're busy uh, taking their paycheck to the track, cashing it, losing it, taking their paychecks to Woodbine, losing their ass. I went last night, uh, just about broke even. It's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. Got with my terrorist in his cab, and he took me out there, and then I had one of the engine cab drivers bring me back. The engines. Well, what? I don't understand what that's really all about, you know? What? The ethnic nature of cab drivers. Yeah, I, I don't know. People find their niche, I guess. Their niche? Their niche. If you got well, a niche. Well, what, why is that their niche? I, I don't know. Why, why is it the convenience store thing? I mean, here, I, most, of the, most of the cab drivers here are like engine packies uh, mm-hmm. like that. Spot heads. Most, know. not all. And, of course, lesbianese like my terrorist uh, buddy. 180 tallies on that survey about our demographic. 181. What's your gender and age group? Male, 35 to 54, 99. Male, over 55, 39. Male, 25 to 34, 16. Now, that's not bad. Female, 35 to 54, 14. Female, over 55, 5. Female, 25 to 34, 4. Now, there you go. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Male, 18 to 24, only 2. Solamente dos. Female, 18 to 24, 1. Female under 18, 1. Male under 18, none. And that's because they should all be in school right now. Over the weekend, you'll see. That number will go zooming up there to, like, 1 or 2. You'll see. Won't it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, you know, back in the day, once when the show was uh, of a different nature. In fact, has anybody uh, had a chat with D.A.? Does he understand what this show is all about? Because we sure don't, but... Anybody talked with him, Chris? I haven't, no. I wonder what he's thinking, you know, like... Uh, Maybe you ought to, like, enlighten him with the fact that once once upon a time the show was a lot different. You know, we used to take calls and play a lot of really funny and raunchy stuff and right, like that. Right, Setting the world on fire. That's right. We were kicking really, and we're still kicking ass, which is amazing and astonishing when you consider all the obstacles that we have to, the hurdles. Well, it's not like we have any competition out there. Right. So well, I, should, I should explain to him what it was like before, Joyce? Yeah, BJ and uh, AJ. Excuse me. BJ. Before Joyce. Nasty. Before Jolly Joe, too. BJJ. The Democratic National Committee is pressuring Michigan and Florida to hold Democratic presidential caucuses so the delegates they've lost for holding January primaries can be seated at the National Convention, a top Michigan Democrat said yesterday. It just, it's uh, mind-blowing. I told you this at the time, and nobody paid any attention to me. I said, you'll be able to vote, but uh, it's not going to count. Well, what's that mean? It means that uh, they're all a bunch of idiots. DNC member Debbie Dingle said it's unclear whether each state would hold caucuses since they've already held primaries, Michigan on January 15 and Florida January 29. But she said the DNC is asking the two states to consider such a plan as the likelihood grows that the selection of the party's nominee could come down to the national convention. There's obviously going to be a lot of intense pressure to finger it out, she said. DNC spokesman Damien LaVera said the committee is not applying new pressure to either state. We've consistently said we want states to submit plans that are in compliance with the rules, he said. Florida Democratic Party spokesman Mark Bobriski said the party's got no intention 
of holding another election and hasn't had any discussions in recent months with the DNC about a caucus. Maybe we can invite Michael Dukakis to come down. He can put on that helmet. That should cinch it, just like it did in uh, 88. Mm-hmm. 88. Or maybe they could bring in Helmut Zacharias. We've said all along that we're going forward with our delegate selection program using the January 29 vote. He said we've got more delegate applications than ever. Michigan Democratic Chairman Mark Brewer said the DNC isn't saying anything it hasn't said before to Florida and Michigan. Everybody's involved, the candidates, the DNC, and we need to remain open-minded. So if somebody comes up with a creative way that meets everyone's interest, we can do that and get the delegates seated. He said, yeah, right, get the delegates seated my ass, not based on that election. Just like Michigan, there was nobody else's name on a ballot, and they're going to give her those delegates. What a joke. What a, a rip-off. What a scam. Lavera said the Michigan and Florida primaries didn't count our DNC rules, so they can't be used to allocate any delegates. He added that the only way to get delegates seated is to submit a revised delegate selection plan, such as holding a later election that meets DNC rules or approval of the, or appeal to the Convention Credentials Committee, which will meet this summer before the August 24th to 27th DNC Convention in Denver. The stakes are increasingly high as Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton compete for the delegates they need to win the party's presidential nomination contest that could stretch to the spring. The decision could end up being made at the DNC uh, convention, which makes the question of whether the Michigan and Florida delegates are seated an important strategic point. See, they could have avoided all of this crap if they just would have waited and held the elections when they were supposed to. Nah, we don't want to. We don't want to. We're going to go ahead and uh, do something stupid and uh, screw it all up. Right, just try and stop them. Clinton won both states' primaries. Obama was on Florida's ballot, but had pulled his name from Michigan's ballot because the state broke DNC rules by moving its primary to January 14. That forced his Michigan supporters to vote for uncommitted and hope for a share of the uncommitted delegates. It's unlikely that Clinton would favor holding caucuses, which would open the door to Obama victories in the two states she's won, but there's also pressure to hold some kind of alternative election that meets DNC rules so the states don't have to wait to find out if delegates will be seated from their states. Both states were stripped of their delegates for violating DNC rules by holding early primaries. Democratic leaders in both states expect the delegates will be seated at the convention, and Clinton recently said she would ask her delegates to support the seating of the Michigan and Florida delegation. Of course she would, because she's going to get a crap load of delegates. She ran against nobody, bitch. So far, Obama's not heated or called to do the same, obviously. It's unlikely he would if it means Clinton will get the larger share of delegates from both states. Florida's got 185 pledged delegates and 25 superdelegates who face not being seated at the convention. Michigan has pledged 128 delegates and 28 superdelegates. Brewer said he's continued talking to both campaigns, stressing that Michigan is an important state for either candidate to win in November. Florida officials have said their swing state could also be crucial to a Democrat getting the White House seat. Michigan, now stop and think about it. What's the biggest city in Michigan, huh? Mm-hmm. Detroit. In other words, you didn't know the answer to that question? No. What do I know from Michigan? What are the other big cities in Michigan? Grand Rapids, Flint, Saginaw, Lansing. Uh, okay, if you say so. I think I've been through Michigan. I don't and remember who are the it. majority of the people who live in Detroit? Black. Yeah. Right. So, in other words, if they would have actually had, if his name would have been on the ballot, they actually would have had a real primary in Michigan, it would have been really good for Obama. But Obama, your mama. But they didn't. The whole thing was just a mess, just all screwed up. Oh, President Bush touring tornado damage areas of Tennessee has got a real uh, solemn look on his face, like he really gives a crap. They were able to download video, stream, and pictures uh, during uh, video teleconferences between the states, region four, and headquarters. Too bad Brownie uh, Brown is in there could have told him how he's doing a heck of a job, right? Heck right. of a job, Brownie Hound. That was just uh, tragic.
tragic. But, you know, like I said, the media gives everybody a free pass if they're smearing. It's just a question of who's smearing the right people and where they're smearing them. 201 on the survey. What are we shooting for here today on this uh, before the weekend? Of course, this will be up there all weekend long. Oh, about 250. Come on now. Let's have a more positive attitude, Lump. 255. Such a... Such a... Lump? Yeah. I, there was another word that was coming right into focus, well, yeah, but I better not use it. Yeah. Just walk away. I will. Just like that other story that you faxed me that I better not... Uh, yeah. Well, that, like you said, though, that's typical. That's part of the course. It's very typical, and it would be of concern if I were, you know, if, if we were at a real radio station, and somebody would want to know that if, yeah. we, were, if we were at a real but radio station. you know station. what? Right. We're not. They don't they want don't. And I know that if I try to bring that to How someone's attention... How you not know the biggest city in Michigan? I never thought about it. Whatever. Like, I don't know what's in Michigan. Like, I think about Michigan. Why is that shocking? It's far away. I've been through it by bus once, maybe twice. I don't know. It's far away. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with France me. is far away, too. What's sure. the biggest city in France? Well, I presume it's Paris. Right. So it's far away, though. Yeah, it is. I, I got nothing to do with that either, but nevertheless, it's the only city anyone talks about over there. <laughs> Netherlands is far away. Yeah, What's the biggest city in Netherlands? I don't know. Amsterdam? Yeah. See? See? Just common sense. Well, I would Italy's call it far away. Sense. What's the biggest city in Italy? Rome. Roma. See, yeah. Just use so your name and all the I mean, these are like capitals of countries and stuff. Yeah. What's the capital of Michigan? I don't know. Grand Rapids? You don't know the capital of Michigan. I don't know the capital of Michigan. I don't Lansing. know from Michigan. Lansing is the okay, capital. Okay, great. Wonderful. What's the capital of New York State? Uh, Sacramento. <laughs> I'm going to go to the living room and lie down on the floor for a little while now. I didn't know we were going to do state uh, capitals today. Why not? You better do some homework. Yeah, okay. We'll have a capital off when you come back. Even loves Neil Rogers. Neil, God. I took a call from the Ebonics. They said the future be bright for me. Now I can't get no job. Cause I don't got no literacy. I was talking like an old Negro. Ebonics taught me how this way. Now I can't do nothing. But my heritage say that's okay. Change my name to Shufro. Drive a deuce and a quarter in a Cadillac. I remember when I was dealing all the white man's cards, hanging outside the Belvedere bar, grind the blues out poverty. White devils got no job for me in time. Thirty bonics will give my life a change now. Got to go and sell more crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine. Crackle King, Crackle King. Lordy, what a boring song. Ebonics makes me sound funny. Got nothing to do with literacy. Now I got to make more money. Labor food sounds good to me. I got plenty of nothing. 
Ivana can't get me anywhere. Maybe I'll mug an old white bitch, steal a purse and pull her hair. Then I'm gonna take her money, buy a stereo and a Frigidaire. I remember when I was stealing all the white man's cars, hanging outside the Belvedere bar, trying the blues out by the deep. White devil's got no job for me, and I, I, I thought Ebonics would give my life a change now. Got to go and sell more crack cocaine, 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 crack It's 1118 at 560 WQM. We got 222 on that survey, man. 222. That's exactly what Chris said we were shooting for. We're shooting for it. Everybody's shooting. There's All right. more on that story from Baton Rouge. You just don't know your capitals, man. What's the capital of Pennsylvania? I don't know. Why not? I don't know. Harrisburg, I used to be able to name man. them off. Okay, yeah, great. I knew a girl from there. I used to be able to name them all off when I was in school, and I'm not in school anymore. And you know I don't the need to know. Of New York State? I used to. I'm not in school. Let me ask you, who's been out of school longer, you or me? You? Yeah. So we, you want to have a trivia off or something? You want to do state no. capitals? And, no, I mean, but I, I just think I that you want to know them. some of these things. Maybe yeah. come useful someday. I, I, We're on Jeopardy. I know you like what that I show. I hate know, that show. Right? I know you do. Albany, man. Okay, that's right. Yay. Baton Rouge police say a young woman killed two female students in a classroom at a college, then killed herself. Sergeant Don Kelly says police don't know the woman's names or ages or whether the killer was also a student at Louisiana Technical College. Crazy people with guns just going nuts these days, man. He says the first two women apparently killed were in their seats in the second floor classroom. And then all of a sudden, but a bing. The incident occurred this morning shortly after 8.30. Kelly says Baton Rouge police got many cell phone calls saying people had been shot. It, was an, it wasn't an accident and uh, some people did get hurt. Here's that story I was looking for about the mafia. See, if you keep searching and searching and searching. You'll find it? You'll find it. Now, who did that song? Searching. It's more than one song. It's more than one song? I'm sure there's been more than one song uh, called Searching. Searching or Searching? Urchin. Del Shannon. What did I tell you? By the way, speaking of... By the way, keep searching with an apostrophe. It's keep searching with an apostrophe. For future keep reference. Searching, you know, yeah, that's not, that's not called you know, searching. You might want to make a request and they won't know what you're talking about if you say searching. Well, what is searching? You don't have anything called searching? No. That's the only Get thing that came out. up I'm under searching. My book. Oh. I've been searching so long by Chicago and Girl, I'm Searching for You by Stevie B. Searching for an urchin. Yeah. Let's see. I'll find it in my book, in my billboard book. I'm working for a journey. I'll get to the right page. I'm on the right page. I'm pretty sure of that. Here I'm we looking go. for a cooking. Uh, searching by the Coasters. That's what I'm thinking of. Atco Records, baby, 1957. Oh, I don't have Searching. It. You don't have that? Nope. By the Coasters? I will soon, though. Oh, my God. That's a classic, uh, it's a, uh, you know, novelty record. The no, Coasters. I got Charlie Brown, Poison Ivy, and Yakety Yak. I'll be damned. Coming right Yakety Yak? Yakety Yak. But no searching? No. Well, I'll Give be me five damned. minutes. You'll find it. Give me okay. five minutes. 
Well, that gives me plenty of time to get back to my mafia story. Well, there's uh, John McCain. He still looks senile and like crazed, you know, like crazy person. And old. Wow, look at that. Looks like somebody uh, clawed that uh, spot there, that cheek, you know. Maybe the dog got pissed off at him or something, like clawed it all up. About what's happening in the conservative <laughs> movement. I think that's probably the best part of today's <laughs> Yeah. They were all like laughing and chortling and chuckling there on CNN. <laughs> wow. Very sad. American and Italian authorities arrested dozens of people yesterday in a takedown of what they called a transatlantic drug trafficking operation run by the Mafia. Oh, my God. Amen to that. The operation, codenamed Old Bridge, was centered on New York and the Sicilian capital of Palermo, targeting Mafia figures who were strengthening contacts between mob groups in Italy and the USA. A federal grand jury in New York also accused 62 people of ties to the Gambino crime family and offenses including murders, drug trafficking, robberies, extortion, and other crimes dating back to the 70s. And keep in mind, presidents and senators don't have Michael, don't have people killed. Or Michael. Or Michael, or Michael either. No, he just died in the chair. He dropped an orange on the ground. Everybody died in there was with the oranges. I wonder if those were those great red Sicilian oranges. Oh, they just had that thing a couple of days ago in Italy where they get together and they throw all the oranges at each other. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I've seen that. What a waste of great oranges. Have you ever had that, uh, what do they call those, those red oranges? Yeah, I've had them. I don't know what they're called. Those are the best. Have you yes, ever had are. the red orange juice from those? Sure. Mmm. Mamma mia. What I really meant to say was... Mamma. Mamma mia. Good. Today we're able to bring closure to crimes from the past, U.S. Attorney Benton Campbell said in Brooklyn. Today we seek justice for those men and their families and make clear that those crimes and those victims are not forgotten. The sprawling indictment covers gangland killings from the days when the crime family was run by Paul Castellano, who was assassinated in 1985. Some of the charges allege more recent crimes, including credit fraud, conspiracies, and theft of union benefits. In the 170-page indictment, authorities allege that associates of the crime family extorted people in the construction industry, embezzled from labor unions, engaged in loan sharking and bookmaking. All of these things. The massive investigation also includes charges brought in the state court by the Queens District Attorney. The federal indictment's targets include a long list of well-known mobsters, well mobsters and people believed to be top leaders in the Gambino clan, some of whom already served prison time for past offenses. Among those being sought was the reputed acting boss of the Gambino family, John Jackie the Nose D'Amico, who's accused of playing a lead role in a broad racketeering company. Jackie the Nose. Organized crime still exists in the city and state of New York, said New York Attorney General Andrew Cuomo. We like to think that it's a vestige of the past, but it's not. As of yesterday morning, the FBI had arrested 54 people in New York City, its northern suburbs, New Jersey, and Long Island as well. Police in Palermo said they hoped to bring in 25 to 30 suspects. About 30, man. Authorities in Roma said they were targeting alleged members of mafia families who controlled drug trafficking between the two sides of the Atlantic. There's been renewed attention to the Sicilian mafia's ties to the U.S. since November when police in Sicily arrested Salvatore Lopicolo. Piccolo, Piccolo. How would you say it? Well, what the hell would you know about it? Piccolo. No. Okay. Uh, top mobster on the run. Well, we would say that here. We would say that in English, but not in Italiano. Salvatore Lo Piccolo. A top mobster on the run for more than a decade was vying to become La Cosa Nostra's next boss of bosses. At the time, investigators warned that Lo Piccolo had been working to mend ties with U.S. Italian clans, such as the Gambino and Inzerillo crime families. Those relations were wrecked during Sicily's internal mafia war of the 80s and the rise of the Corle Oh, look at that. Corleonese clan. The Corleonese clan. 
Hmm. which dominated La Cosa Nostra until the arrest of Bon Salvatore Totorino in 1993 and his successor Bernardo Provenzano in 2006. The Corleonese clan. AC, EC. Take it easy. The Gambino crime family has been the subject of a steady stream of government indictments and prosecutions since its late Don John Gotti was sentenced to life of prison in 1992. One acting boss after another has gone to prison, including his son John Gotti Jr., who was not named in this most recent indictment. In the government's last high-profile attack on the family, the younger Gotti, freed after completing his prison term, was tried three times on charges that he conspired to murder the radio talk show host Curtis Sliwa for insulting his father. Each trial ended in a hung jury, and prosecutors finally gave up the case last year. See, we don't have to worry, because we like the mafia. Right? We like the mafia. Yeah, just fine. They don't go out and go after innocent like men, women, and children. Like your president, for example. They don't kill like millions of innocent people, pain in the ass bystanders. Drop the gun. Friday, you bastard. Oh, before it happens, you did it here on News and Six. Don Imus, the talk show host, made a low-key return to the airwaves this morning. Imus again expressed remorse for the racist and sexist comments that got him fired. I will never say anything uh, in my lifetime that will make... Any of these nappy-headed women regret that they accepted my apology. Civil rights activists do plan to protest here this morning. Back to you in the studio. News at 6. I miss this so boring. What's better than a live radio show every morning on TV? Well, just about anything. But that hasn't stopped MSNBC from teaming up with radio's original bad boy, who now looks like a nasty old lady. Listen, Bernie. Imus. Tell that intern this coffee sucks. Yes, every morning, see Imus listen to a tape of other people's comedy bits. Live on the air. I need a hammer to bite into this muffin. You know, somebody... Press one, please. Thank you. See his wild behind-the-scenes addicts. Listen to me, stupid. I am the Ivan. You are the walrus cuckoo cachoo. Now get me some fresh coffee or you're fired. Imus, he's irreverent. So uh, what's the deal with the Pope? He's topical. So uh, what's the deal with this Watergate race? He's incoherent. I'll tell you what. That, uh, is it double present? What, what the hell is this? I don't know. He's Imus and he's boring. And he's only on MSNBC, a cable channel nobody watches, and a bunch of AM radio stations nobody listens to. And then somebody get some fresh jingle. It's Imus. 11.32 at 5.60 WQM. We're hanging in uh, on by our thumbnails, man, aren't we? Don't you feel like that? Sure, something. Now, like uh, something. Brandon sent me the Pete Clemenza thing from Wikipedia. Do you want to hear about Clemenza? It's sure. Some good time. In fact, what we could do is we could go down every character in all three Godfathers. That's right. And we could read their story. And then it'll be like a midnight. Yeah, I want to know about Cheech. Uh, Cheech? Mm-hmm. Peter Clemenza, 1890 to 1957. See, I don't understand. How, how can they have dates of date and birth when they're fictional characters? Just, you know, when you write a, a book just or something, say you, you flesh out the characters just in case it might come up, you know, you already yeah, have it all worked out. California? Sacramento. Good. You ever been there? No. I love Sacramento, man. It is so hot, and but, but not uh, humid. Dry heat. But yeah. not dry heat like Vegas, where you like always feel like you're going to, like, I don't know. been to L.A., but that was 100 years ago. Well, don't go back. I don't want to. Pete Clements is a fictional character appearing in Mario Puzo's novel, The Godfather, and two of the three films based on it. We won't see Clemenza in Godfather 3. Although, you know who made Eli Wallach made up for him by eating all those uh, extra cannolis. In his young adulthood in The Godfather Part 2, Clemens is portrayed by Bruno Kirby. In his later years, he's portrayed by Richard S. Castellano, who sleeps with the fishes now, by the way, because he was fat, really fat, big and fat, dead. Am I right? Yeah. Peter Clemens is one of two later three capo regimes in the Corleone family, the other being Salvatore Tessio. 
He rules over the family's territory in Little Italy. Although he's less intelligent than his friend and counterpart, Tessio, he's said to be more brutal and direct in the book. In the film, he may be perceived at first as fat, dim-witted thug, but later on he's shown to be a formidable assassin. Especially when he's showing Michael how to use the gun. Put the tape on the handle and ba-da-beep, ba-da-boop, ba-da-bop. Clemenza became a friend of Vito Corleone after immigrating from Sicily when Corleone held a package of guns for him to prevent their discovery by the police. Although he's a native of Italy and The Godfather 2 is shown speaking perfect colloquial Italian as a young man in his 20s, and The Godfather and older Clemenza speaks with a highly pronounced New York Brooklyn accent. <laughs> that is correct. Like when he says, uh, well, like this. Leave the gun. No, that's not it. Take the cannoli. What's the line? What is the line? The one that you keep, uh, we're insisting. Oh, there you go. I don't keep insisting. Why do you say that? Insisting what? Well, you were. I did once, and then I was wrong, and then I stopped. One of the few remaining hints of his Italian roots is that he pronounces Corleone as Cor- Corleone. Huh? Corleone? I don't get that. A friendly and jovial man, he was known as a storyteller among many of his acquaintances and family members, a trait that endeared him to Vito, who Puzo described as a listener to storytellers. Clemenza got to start selling stolen goods such as dresses and guns with Vito and Tessio as far back as 1917 and became a key figure in the growing Corleone family, or is that Corleone? Corleone. Vito kept him close through the years. For instance, Vito makes Clemenza godfather of his oldest son, Sonny, and handled Sonny's training once Sonny decided to join his father's family. However, this was to control his brutal and more ambitious tendencies, even though he had mellowed somewhat in a decade of peace between the families. Clemenza plays a key role in aiding Michael following the shooting of Vito. He remains, he retrains Michael how to fire a gun, walking him through the scenario for assassinating Virgil Salazzo, and gets someone to plant the gun prior to the assassination. One of Tessio's men. We know that. Right. In the wave of killings that cements Michael's power, Clemenzo garroted Carlo Rizzi for his role in setting up Sonny for the assassination. You have to answer for Sonny, Carlo. For Santino, during the murders of the heads of the five families, Clemenza personally shot Don Stracci and his bodyguard. As Clemenza's greeting of Michael as Don, Michael is the end of the book, as Don Corleone at the end of the film, that convinces Kay Adams Corleone that her husband has become as ruthless as his father. Is it true, Michael? Is it true? <coughs> Just this one time. I'll let you ask about my, my business, my monkey business. Mm-hmm. His forces include soldiers Paulie Gatto, Willie Chichi, Al Neri, and Rocco Lampone. He handled many of his men closely, proud of picking Lampone as a capo regime and locating Neri as a successor to Luca Brazzi. He could also be cruel with them when he found out that Gatto had been collaborating with Salazzo. He saw it as a personal betrayal, orchestrated the execution personally with Rocco pulling the trigger. That was Paulie. Am I right? Yep. Polly sold out the old, old man at Strunz. Oh, right. Polly won't see him no more. Right. Strunz sounds like uh, some food, like strudel. Strunz. Ironically, Clemenza literally means mercy or forgiveness in Italian. The English cognate is clemency. In Mike Weingartner's novel, The Godfather Returns, Clemenza stands in his consigliere at commission meetings during the course of the book since Tom Hagen is no longer consigliere, and also he's not Sicilian, so can't be involved in these meetings. He died of a heart attack shortly before 1958, a consequence of his excessive lifestyle, and autopsy revealed his heart was twice the size of a normal man's. Wow. In Godfather Part Two, Willie Chichi appears to deny this, stating, that was no heart attack, but no further info is given. Pete Clemenza was succeeded as Capo Regime by Frankie Pantangeli. Wow. In Puzo's novel, the Sicilian Clemenza is featured in Sicily, where he meets Michael Corleone, in order to arrange a safe return to America, and also to oversee the safe passage of the novel's lead character, Salvatore Guiliano. 
In this novel, he has an older brother, Dominic Clemenza, who is an old-fashioned, well-respected mafia don. Neither Clemenza nor Michael Corleone are featured in the film version of the novel, presumably because of copyright restrictions on the Godfather film franchise. Clemenza was originally supposed to return in The Godfather Part Two. However, Castellano demanded that he write off all of Clemenza's lines himself. He write, uh, said, write all of them, along with a large salary increase. And they said, hey, Pete, bye-bye. Francis Ford Coppola refused, had Clemenza killed off, replacing him with Frankie Pantan- Pantangeli. Thank God. Oh, we got to love Frankie, didn't we? Yep. Richard S. Castellano and Bruno Kirby appeared together in a TV series entitled The Super, in which they played a father and son. You ever see that? I didn't. No. And you know what? I'm sure glad I did not. Doesn't sound so super. No. Well, there you go. So there's uh, Clemenza. And if you didn't see The Godfather, we don't want to know you. We don't want to talk to you. We don't want nothing to do with you. We could, but we don't want to. 254, our goal is 10 million today on that survey of people listening to this audience. What are you? What's your gender and age? Have you got one? Have you got a gender? Have you got an age? Do you know? Do you have to ask somebody about it? Come on, let's go now. Look at that. We've got female under 18-1 and male under 18-1. Kids skipping school to listen to this show, aren't they? And probably get a much better education listing right here. You know, back in the day when we used to really do the Neil Rogers show, you'd be amazed how many kids used to take their Sony Walkmans to school and listen to the show like during lunch hour and then during those other boring classes when they were supposed to be like paying attention. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Michael Corleone did this, and Michael Corleone did that. So I said, uh, yeah, sure. 560, you gotta be effing kidding me radio, presents another channel-changing management pleaser, O.J. and Danny. Yo, yo, this be O.J. McGovey. And I'm Danny Cannell. What a game yesterday, uh uh-huh. Yeah, what a game. Go Dolphins. Been a big fan all my life. You know, um, they uh, may have lost the game, but we'd uh, be done gotten something right with the cleats. Yeah, depending on the field condition, you need the right cleats. The cleats, they be critical in the bit of our game of, and that mean it is what it is. You know, I, I, I thought they handled the ball really better with the right cleats. So, that mean they could run with the ball really well. Yeah, really well. Yeah, they ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, ran the ball really well. Yeah, they ran it really well. I mean, when they did ball, ball oh, oh uh, something, but I do believe they really played well. Yeah, they played really well. Well, you know, when they got the one-inch cleats instead of the three-quarter-inch cleats, it really better. But they couldn't go up with the quarter-inch cleats, you know. You got to have the right cleats. Yeah, you got something to say. Uh, hit us up, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, yo. What is this? You getting your checks from the Dolphins or something? What's with all this gay worship? Hey. No, I mean there's more important things going on than the garbage you're putting on the air. You don't like it? Tuna! I will! I say tuna! All right, I will! You don't need nobody listening, right, Danny? Uh-huh. That what management says. Right. Uh-huh. Now, uh, like I was uh, saying, about the cleats. Yeah, um, the cleats. Um, that guy was wrong. Cleats are very important. You got the big cleats, small cleats, fat cleats, thin cleats, short cleats, tall cleats. Cleats for the feet. Cleats. Cleats for the feet. Yeah. That's what I got me some cleats. All kinds of cleats. Got the cleats for the feet. Cleats. 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 I could say cleats. Cleats for uh, defeats as in 15 defeats. It's uh, 11.46, 14 till noon at 560 WQAM. Ah. Uh-huh. 
and uh, Brandon uh, sent me the uh, Frankie Pantangeli pages. I'll save those for a little later on. It might get a little bit ponderous if I right. would now, you know? Don't you think? No, it's good, like interspersed. Yeah, as we go along. In fact, maybe we'll do that every day. Or just disperse. Here's a fax from Paul and Coral Gables. It says, since you're such a Godfather fan, did you happen to see the Audi R8 commercial that debuted during the Super Bowl? No, I did not, Paul. Perhaps you haven't already commented on it, but if not, you can view the commercial simply by logging into Audi's U.S. website at AudiUSA.com. If you haven't seen that, I think you'll love it. Thank you, Paul. I'll put that over here in my pile of things to take a peek at. 274 on that survey of our audience. On our demographic, are you alive? Are you dead? Are you brain dead? Absolutely. You, yeah. Mike Huckabee, speaking of brain dead, said Thursday he will continue his quest for the Republican nomination and directly appealed for support from backers of Mitt Romney's now suspended presidential bid. Suspended a sentence. As a true, authentic, conservative, uh, consistent, consistent conservative, what are he is, as a maniac. I have a vision to bring hope, opportunity, and prosperity to all Americans. I'd like to ask and welcome the support of those who previously have been committed to Mitt, Huckabee said in a statement. This is a two-man race for the nomination. I'm committed to marching on, I goose-stepping on. I believe in the importance of a strong national defense, which includes winning the war against Islamic extremists and the protection of American sovereignty. What about Baptist extremists? What about those, Mike? What about all religious extremists, which, quite frankly, I'm fed up with. I've had it up to here. Up to where? Right there. Oh, Really? Probably announced earlier Thursday was suspending his presidential campaign. He didn't endorse another candidate, but suggested he was clearing the way for McCain's nomination. If I fight on in my campaign all the way to the convention, I'd forestall the launch of a national campaign and make it more likely that Clinton or Obama would win. Well, we know that. We know what Romney said. But as opposed to saying he already blew 50 million bucks of his own money down the toilet and he ain't going to waste any more. That's what he's really talking about. He could have given that 50 million to us, the three of us. Yeah, we put it. 45 million juice. for me, 4.9 million for George, 100,000 for Chicken Egg, and the interest for a lump. Well, thank you. For a lump of coal. Now, we'd have taken care of it. Maybe. Well, we'd have to take care of Josh Cordes first, though, wouldn't we? Nah. Yeah, I'd like to take care of him. <laughs> 279. By the way, you notice he hasn't asked me for any money in a long time. Now, that's good, because I, I, I could send him some, but you know what? What? I don't wanna. Right. I don't wanna. No, I, I don't got it. I got no money. I'm broke. Two hundred seventy-nine tallies. I'm going to tell you by the top of the hour. If we don't have three hundred on there, I'm going to be pretty porked off. We got two eighty-one. Let's see, men twenty-five to thirty-four. We got twenty-five nine percent of the audience. How do you like that? However, men over fifty-five, twenty-three percent of the audience. A lot of old goats out there like me. That's good because they can relate. Old goats. And we're the guys that got the money. You know what the uh, 25-plus, we're the guys with the money. All those mm-hmm. punks out there, that's fine. You know that, That's what they were wanting across the street, all the punks, the ones that don't have any money. Maybe that's why they can't peddle their uh, restaurant deals, because their punks ain't got two nickels to rub together. Maybe we'll give them a Steve nickel. He'd fit in real good over there. So who's running the joint now that uh, Joel Feinberg's out? Stu Gantz? The guy that, who sent that memo? Dennis Collins? Yeah, that's him. Oh, get out of here. He, he couldn't run an Amico station. Are you crazy? Dennis Collins. Nevertheless. WNWS Snooze fame, man. He sure ran that thing into the ground. Remember that, Dennis? The Snooze Cruise? I bet you do, huh? Embarrassment. And you're running around sending out big flashy memos about QM better not get too excited. Yeah, we kicked your ass with the, with the Joel Feinberg there. And we'll continue kicking it sideways to hell. How do you like that? And I just decided during the last break, I'm staying here for the next 10 years no matter what they pay us. 
How do you like that? You believe me? No. No. I just made it up. I know. A 76-year-old Pembroke area man doesn't see himself as a street racer, but the law clearly does. Oh, I see. This is not, uh, oh, this is in Ottawa. I thought it was Pembroke Pines. It's a Canadian story. Norman Harding was charged going 50 kilometers over the speed limit January 17. That's uh, 30 miles over the limit. As a result, his car was impounded, his license suspended for seven days, and he was fined two grand. Harding feels the new Safer Roads for a Safer Ontario Act was aimed at street racers, not an elderly man in a hurry, driving his wife to a non-emergency doctor's appointment. Hopefully I can explain to them I'm not this kind of person, said the soft-spoken man on his February 21 court date in Killaloe. Harding was driving on Highway 515 toward Pembroke when he passed a truck he said was moving too slowly. Like most of the traffic here, they're going too slow. Right. You're too slow. Jesus. He accelerated and moments later saw a cop car. There were sirens and he pulled over. The OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police Officer, clocked Harding doing 130 kilometers in an 80 zone. 130, that's 65 in a 40 in a 50 zone. Told him he'd be charged. I almost passed out. I was really upset, almost to the point of tears, he told the son. He faces, faces a maximum fine of $10,000. Jesus. He said he's not wealthy, and both he and his wife live on old age pensions in their quiet home on a lake near Pembroke. I think I ought to start uh, collecting my Social Security, don't you think? Do you know you have to pay taxes on Social Security? Yep. Well, what kind of crap is that? I mean, that, that's, that's a tax on a tax. Right. Social Security is a tax. Right. You're supposed to be getting it, it back. Your, uh, what? You're supposed to be getting it back. I mean, you know, right. it, 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 it's not one half doesn't, on it. uh, you know, because they can just give you less. You know, because, all right, you don't have to pay tax, and then they'll just give you less of it. Nah, they couldn't give you less if they tried. They couldn't give you less if you if they tried. I think the max, I think what I'm going to get is like 1800 bucks a month, Social Security. And you know the kind of big bucks I've been put, stashed in there for years. Mm-hmm. Been shoving, shoveling it in there, shoving it, sticking it, pushing it. Are we going to get to our uh, 300 votes by the top of the hour or what? 293, yes. yeah, we'll do it. Just relax, Chris. Just leave it in my capable hands. Okay. Well, no, not you. I know a lot of people I'd like to have them leave it in my capable hands, but boy, they run like a son of a bitch. When you get old like me, especially when it's slushy and sloppy out there. Yeah. And that was pretty That's considerate of Paco yesterday, wasn't it, to bring me a nice lunch? It was uh-huh. good, too. Good. It was damn good crap. Cause, because, you know, I might slip and fall and break my neck and then That's right. feel guilty about collecting all that money in the will, you know. You wouldn't. But the Dow I'll wheel you around, man. You wouldn't what? I'll wheel you around. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be wheeled around. Like I'll wheel you up to the slot machines there. Oh, there was some old guy that hit the floor a couple nights ago. I forget what night it was. He just hit the floor. Some 90-something guy. I'll get somebody not else far, to change your bag for Not you, far from where I was playing, too. And people gathered around for a little bit. And then they got back to their machine and said, well, that's boring. You know, the paramedics came in. They took them out on a, a stretcher, you know, the whole deal. Sure. All the f- sirens going off. Haven't had one siren go off today. How do you like that? It's hmm. almost noon already. I wonder if that's all about. Probably because it ain't such a mess anymore. There's still quite a bit of snow on the ground, though. Don't you miss the snow? I sure don't. No. I don't mind the snow as long as it's not, like, number one on the road and number two where you want to walk. Because where you want to walk is snow and ice and right. slush. you got to slog through it oh, in the spring especially. Fat. But the good news is it's already the 8th of February, so another month and this will be pretty much over. And you know what they say, it ain't over till. Yeah, yeah, it's over. The fat lady sings. Yeah, till it's over. It's over. 299 on the survey will easily have over 300. On this, very, this, by the way, is an extraordinarily important survey. Does anybody believe that? No. no. Well, they're right. It's not, but. 
you know, if you say that, then they're more likely to get on there. Oh, I better, I better uh, tally in there, tally ho and tally in. Did we get any uh, info about the Red Lobster yet? No. No. Come on. What info like what? I, I don't know, like a fax, like a, a telegram, something. I thought it was one of the shocking moments of my life the other sure. day. What day was it? Was on Wednesday. Sure, they're all shocked because uh, you know nobody, nobody goes great. there. Not good, great. And I thought to myself, holy crap! Here's a place I can come back and eat it again. Three and that's a place where I can what? Three or two. Why are you such a lunkhead? Three o two on the survey. I told you, no problem. And what does that mean? Does that mean something? Is it great significance to us or what? Yes. And what is that? I'll wait for you to tell me. <laughs> Better than two ninety two ninety nine. It means I'll tell you right now what it means. It means at least we have at least three hundred and two people listening to this show still. And based on what they've done to it, that that in itself is a miracle. Thanks a lot, Jolly Joe and Joyce and Clarence. Mark Morgan, it's the twelve to one hour on QAM. Jamaica, 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 I say I and I, I say oh, yo, yo. Oi! How come you don't wear dreadlocks? I'm not that orthodox. I like Jimmy Cliff, and I like to smoke a strip. I like man so bright. I am a Yiddish type of guy. Rasta me, Rasta you. Rasta black, Rasta Jew, Rasta Jew, oh Lord, yes, Rasta Jew. I like coach and shoot, and I ride a motorbike. Chicken soup with Canada luck, that's what I like. Have you ever tasted? Red fish, rice and greens, planking and gibbet a fish. That's much more my speed. Rasta me, Rasta you, Rasta black, Rasta Jew, Rasta Jew. I want me tell you, Rasta Jew. Oh, oh, oh. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get those uh, a clean cut of this thing that doesn't have all those really much too loud drop-ins from back in the IOD days? Right. Wouldn't it well, be nice? It would be, but uh, that's but we don't. long gone. We don't it's all right. Zombieites. They're too loud, man. Why are these people sending all these stories that you know all about, that everybody knows all about? What? People are some one person. 
AM American Express. Stop sending faxes. Stuff you read yesterday. WQM, happy Friday to you. Boy, I feel a really uh, serious Joyce coming on. I don't know what that's been all week long like really? that. I don't know. What do you think that is? I don't know. Nature? It could be. Maybe I'm just making up for Ma, like I told you. i got a lot right? of making up to do. How about a good enema would be good? Yeah, that uh, Friday, a uh, boysenberry enema would be great. Kind of like the, we were talking yesterday, the International House of Flakes. Mm-hmm. They could have like a gigantic tea room in there. And then, like, with uh, all the different syrups, you know, to flavor your enema. Boysenberry, <laughs> raspberry, strawberry. Huh? Oh, I had a great blueberry enema at IHOP this morning right. like that, you know. I want some uh, mocha latte. Now, do you actually eat there, or is that just a joke? No, I mean, I have. I don't, I'm also alive. No, Who hasn't? Uh, I wouldn't call it a, uh, a thing that we do. I'd but call I, it a thing. Yeah. An act of lunacy. No, maybe, they're, uh, maybe they made a big comeback. I don't know. Although, I don't, generally, uh-huh. remember how the buildings all used to look? They had that certain look to them? Mm-hmm. And you drive around, and you see those buildings, but they're, like, you know, boarded up, vacant. Are, are they still in business? Do we oh, yeah, have? yeah. They are? Sure. Get out of here. I, I have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Not if I can help it. That's what I heard. A man arrested for an indoor marijuana growing operation after a county worker smelled the illegal plan on a tax payment has been sentenced to 16 months in prison in Corvallis, Oregon. Smell the illegal plant on a tax payment. Boy, that's really brilliant, isn't it? Who do you send your tax payment to? The government. Aaron Brian McCallis, 37, also agreed to forfeit more than 65 grand in cash seized after Benton County Sheriff's deputies found 230 marijuana plants inside his home in November. Deputies found almost every room in the house filled with marijuana plants, from seedlings to bushes that were four feet tall. The operation included a backup generator to power the grow lamps in case the electricity went out. Well, that's always a good plan, right? Right. The investigation started when a Benton County tax clerk noticed that the $600 in cash McCallis used to pay his taxes smelled like marijuana. It's safe to say at least the biggest indoor marijuana bust in the last 10 years, said Chief Deputy District Attorney Chris Stringer. The $600 in cash that he used smelled like wicked weed, man. How do you like what a moron, huh? What a jackass. You fair. Jesus. Pathetic. 322 on that survey. And the survey says uh, it's a bunch of numbers. I don't want to mail it in. Oh, guess who got busted? I'm sure you saw it. Who? Heidi Fleiss. Oh, no, I did not see that. You ought to see, ought to see her. Oh, my God. Wow. Former Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss was arrested yesterday on charges of illegal possession of prescription drugs and driving under the influence, authority said. <laughs> Fleiss was pulled over about 9.30 yesterday morning by sheriff deputies, responding to a report of a possible drunken driver in Parump, Nevada. Parump, the Nye County Sheriff's Office said. You ever hear that, Parump, Nevada? No. Right. Fleiss, 42, and a passenger in the car, John Owen, were found to be under the influence of a controlled substance, the sheriff's office said. Fleiss had prescription medication, but couldn't produce a valid prescription. The uh, What does that mean? She couldn't produce a valid prescription? 
What, what if you have like, uh, you know, they have those little pill, those plastic pill things? Right. Little pill boxes? Sure, I got one. So what if you take those to make sure that you have uh, you have you have drugs that you have to deal yeah. various times of the day? And, and, and you don't go to jail, to... go directly to jail. Oh, I see. So you don't carry the bottle around, the prescription, right. a copy, and of you got to write the doctor's signature. Crap is right. that? The receipt. Fleiss was arrested on four counts, including possession of dangerous drugs without a prescription and driving under the influence. Owen, 53, was arrested on charges of being under the influence of a controlled substance and possession of marijuana. There we go again with that wacky weed that America is just psychotic about. Oh my God! Crazy people. Crazy government, man. The DEA. A call seeking comment to a cell phone believed to be Fleiss's one unanswered yesterday, and there was no number for Owen listed in the Pawrumpa directory. Sheriff deputy said they didn't know if either had an attorney. If I get up and run, you'll know that I'm going to have a uh, All right, no wide problem. choice. Well, I that's some, one of those uh, things. Music now, on that deck. happened to me yesterday. Yeah. I was on the phone with a friend down there yesterday, and all of a sudden I said, uh, I think that he thought that I was, like, you know, blown off the call, but I wasn't because nature, I had had that great lunch that Paco brought by, and I, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden nature started calling, and so I said goodbye, and I ran to the tea room. I mean, raced. And I made it just barely, but on the way to the tea room, I like, uh, there's a a spot on the carpet, and I'm sure a lot of other people are going to relate to this, where there's, like, metal... And carpet like come together, you know, where it was right. like um, sure. And so there's like a little tiny bit, and if you're really unlucky, the metal can rip the hell out of your foot. Not and so my toe just ripped on that thing like uh, wide open. Yeah, it's okay. I got like a bandage on this All morning, right. but nevertheless. So if I get up and run like that, I probably won't run quite as fast, and maybe I won't make it. In which case, I'll be in the shower. Anyway, uh, Heidi Fleiss posted bail of thirteen hundred seventy-six bucks. Owen posted bail of twelve hundred sixty-four, and both were released. Fleiss operates a coin-operated laundry called Dirty Laundry in this desert town 60 miles west of L.A. She moved to Nye County in late 2005 after having been jailed in California for running a prostitution ring. How do you like that? She's running a coin laundry. Why not? Wow. I, I don't know. It just seems a little bit of a change. Ah, uh-huh, cute. From running at what? Change. Coin laundry. Yeah. Get uh-huh. it? Uh, wasn't supposed to be funny, okay? Uh, it wasn't. Like I told you before, there's nothing worse than people who think that they're funny trying to be funny. And oh, by the yeah. way, the jerk show will be on it, too. 300, now that also was just a coincidence. I, I, yeah, I know. Did we get any uh, faxes about the uh, Red Lobster? Now, I, I read the comments before the show this morning. I went online, I checked out Red uh, Lobster um, reviews. Mm-hmm. And there were some very good ones, and a whole bunch of really bad ones. Like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like that, yeah. And I keep the only reason I keep repeating it because they're not going to give me no free meal next time I go over there. Yeah. Plus, you know me, I don't snore for free mm-hmm. meals. Right. Unlike some of the people in this business who are always, always on the lookout for a free meal, for a snore. I wonder how well certain people are doing now that Burton Jacks closed down. I don't want to mention no names. Remember Burton Jacks with that sure. peppercorn sauce? Uh huh. It's the only place that had peppercorn sauce on the desserts, which is kind of strange. It was a good place. Remember when we had the oh yeah that meal at Burton Jacks? Uh huh. Pete. Pete Bolger and Rana right. Fink. Rana Wolf Ratfink. And that was the day they told us that uh, they, they thought we were going to be very excited that they told uh, Steve Nichol to go away. They paid him to go away. Just go away. And he did. And, wh- and what did that change? Did that mm-hmm. change anything? Mm-hmm. Huh? No, not there. At Paxson? Nope. Although, you know something, now in retrospect... The only thing, the only people there really pissed me off was that crazy bitch with the uh, the uh, Jew for Jesus broad. Bonnie? She was a trip. 
Yeah, who was running around trying to convert everybody. And then, of course, the engineer. Roy! No crazier than any of the other crazies. Give away those 80 zillion carts from IOD. Remember that? Yep. That's one of the reasons we don't have a lot of material that we still would have. We'd have it in the DCS right now. Tons and tons of crap. It's long gone. And once it's gone, it's gone. Because, uh, well, at Paxson, we don't believe in carts. We, it's it's old-fashioned. Okay, you don't believe it. It's on the floor. It's not bothering anybody. Oh, they didn't like it was on the floor, so why couldn't they build a cart rack, you know? Why couldn't they get one of those old metal racks that we had those circular racks, remember, from IOD? Sure. Those big ones before we got the DCS. Was it Tim that got the, the DCS for us? It might have been. One of them. Well, one uh, of I mean, I, I give, um, you know, Mitch Ween Mitch credit, Green, ultimately. Yeah. Do you know that he threw up on his wedding night? That's what I was told. As long as he didn't throw up on his wife. Oh, I think he did. Oh, excellent. Well, maybe not on her. I heard that story. I don't want to tell you. Well, you can imagine. Great. What a thought. 332. What a thought what? Now you're making it something uh, filthy. When you were with us in Chicago on that great trip to the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah. Remember that? Sure. You were there for about five minutes. Now, did exactly you get to eat five any minutes. Free meals there or what? I think I ate a free meal. Well, that's not so bad. And what about at uh, Murphy's Bleachers? We were right. that, that, that was the free meal. And what? I had a hot dog. <laughs> All right. There's nothing like a weenie at a ball game, man. I don't care what anybody says. I'll I'm take your word for it. Anyway. What? I'll take your word for it. I don't have one everywhere I go like you. 332 uh, tallies on our survey. There's Mike Huckleberry. Oh, yeah, he's making a speech in Wichita, Kansas. All right. Maybe he'll drop out. Maybe they're fewer. In fact, maybe before the uh, weekend, maybe McCain's going to start have a paste-on mustache, you know? Maybe he wants to be their fewer. He is not stepping aside. While we wait to hear from him in Wichita, Kansas, we'll take a listen at some of the comments he gave to reporters when he went to New York yesterday to uh, tape the Tyra Banks show. He was asked about whether or not he would be staying in, and he is saying that he is hoping conservatives will rally around him. What a putz. Do you think conservatives will now rally around you now that Romney's out of the race and uh, conservatives are backlash, there's a big backlash against Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it'd be a natural choice for them, and uh, I certainly hope so. Yeah, and of that. course, because the ones they're talking about, the fetus huggers and the gay bashers and all the other crazy uh, evangelical lunatics, they're crazy people, so why wouldn't they like him a lot? Words of the best leader. It's Friday, you bastards. On the next Oprah, you'll be shocked. You'll be amazed. You'll be talking about it for the next however long until she shocks you again. Oprah makes your wildest dreams come true today. Everyone in the studio audience, all 276 members, get a brand new liver. Everybody gets a liver! Everybody gets a liver! Then, tomorrow, all 276 studio audience members get a brand new uvula. The next day, all 276 members of the studio audience get a three-foot helper monkey. Everybody gets a three-foot helper monkey. Everybody gets a three-foot helper monkey. The next day, all 276 audience members get a new prosthetic arm. Everybody gets a prosthetic arm. Everybody gets a prosthetic arm. Oprah, 
giving away great stuff she didn't have to pay for, even though she could easily afford to. And next season, everybody in the studio audience gets Stedman. Everybody gets Stedman! Everybody gets Stedman! Okay, you keep him. 1218 at 560 WQM. Happy birthday to Redlands Jim. He's 61 today, and he voted on the poll, and now he's mailing it, and he says, best to you and George. Well, best right. to you, Jim. So here's uh, the Tom Hagen stuff from Wikipedia. you want to hear that? All right. Well, not right now. Oh, teaser. You want to hear it? Yeah. Not right now. All right. I'll stick it in my file. Damn. Oh, by the way, Scotland Yard says a bomb blast killed Benazir Bhutto, not a gun. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto died from a severe injury when a bomb blast slammed her head into an escape hatch on her SUV. According to investigators with Scotland Yard, investigators also say that while two people participated in the attack, one to fire a gun, the other to trigger a bomb, there was no evidence that Bhutto was shot. The findings are consistent with the initial Pakistani government assertions, which triggered deep skepticism in the days after her death in Rawalpindi on December 27 last year. But a spokeswoman for Bhutto's Pakistan's People's Party said the British investigators were limited in their ability to investigate the killing fully and that the party remained convinced that Bhutto died from a gunshot. And why not? Everybody in America is dead. A lot of shootings going on, man, all over the place. Oh, there's Huckleberry Hot on the guitar again. Other side of that country. Now, 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 He's picking on that guitar. Now, now, now. That's his crowd. The Roman Catholic Church is facing an unnecessary crisis that could have been averted if the overriding priority in recent years had been the welfare of the church's children rather than the welfare of its priests and its assets, prominent religious authorities write. It's a Massachusetts School of Law report. You want to hear it? Yes. Okay. The Reverend Dr. Marie Fortune, founder of the Faith Trust Institute, editor of the Journal of Religion and Abuse, said, not reporting allegations of child abuse to authorities, secret settlements which place gag orders uh, on something. See, this is chopped off. I better not try to read this. It's chopped off. I just realized in the right-hand column. You want to know why? Because it was on my oh. Yahoo from our good, close, personal friend. What's his name? Sherwood Ross. Every time I try to print out something off that damn uh, Yahoo or Hotmail, it won't, it won't print. It chops off the right. And don't tell me to like a highlight because it doesn't, uh, that don't do it. Okay. Aren't you pissed off about this? No. In the article in the long-term view, a publication of the Massachusetts School of Law at Andover, Mass., Dr. Fortune, minister in the United Church of Christ, writes, From east to west, we're learning information that dioceses not only kept these crimes a secret for decades, but they also misrepresented the facts to survivors and depositions to harass and blame victims for the victimization. These long-standing cases of abuse by priests, silence, and cover-up are all the evidence we need that the hierarchy of the church has been hijacked by those who chose the institutional protection agenda, Dr. Fortune said. Behind the face of robes and incense, clerical privilege was allowed to trump the gospel, and they've been brought to the church. They brought the church to the brink. To the brink. The church's accusers, she notes, are survivors of sex abuse that don't usually come forward to complain until they reach adulthood. Yet she points out some diocesan council have attempted to utilize state statute limitations. She writes the fact that some dioceses, not all, have opposed statutory changes which would extend the statute limitations in order to accommodate survivors and really get to the perpetrators who may still be offenders creates huge questions in the minds of parishioners about the diocese's genuine commitment to healing and justice for victims and survivors of abuse. And, of course, for justice, you know where we have to go, don't you? Don Corleone. That's it. Yeah, let me worry about Luca. He looked like an alligator when he put his mm-hmm. teeth over his uh, thing. It, like moved his jaw side to side. Yeah, let me worry about Luca. And he put his put his thing over his uh, thing. State officials have decided that former BSO sheriff Ken Jenny 
should be deprived of his state pension because of his criminal convictions in that public corruption case. Good. Hubman Dreard. Jenny Handel could collect more than 134500 a year in pension payments, according to state estimates, but guess what? No chance. The former sheriff now serving time in federal prison has till September, uh, February 22, September, that's my favorite month, to appeal. And you didn't even say a thing about it. September, you heard of that? Nope. We're going to challenge their decisions. Are you, are, is he okay, Chris, or is he like a Me? He's fine. from the sandwich? Okay. No, he's fine. I think he's getting ready for the weekend. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to what? Two days off. Got a cop drop here? We're going to challenge their decision, said Mark Herring, Jenny's Tallahassee lawyer. He said he was still researching the grounds for an appeal. Jenny must now ask the state to appoint an administrative law judge to consider his objections. Such cases are usually resolved by a trial, Heron said. It's case by case based on the offenses people pleaded guilty to or are convicted of, he said. State Retirement Director Sarah Beth Snuggs wrote Jenny at the penitentiary in southwest Virginia to inform him that the state will not pay his pension. Sarah Beth Snuggs. Oh, my God. She cited the state law that she says holding public office requires officials to maintain public trust and that they lose pensions if they're convicted of a felony involving a breach of that trust. And you breached it, baby. And there's Barack Obama saying that his personal history and his record make him the best candidate to go up against John McCain. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. So you want to hear about Tom Hagen or not? I do. I told you I did. Thomas Tom Fiergal Hagen is a fictional character in the Godfather books and films. He was portrayed by Robert Duvall. He's the informally adopted son of Don Vito Corleone and serves as the family lawyer and consigliere. Some have speculated that Hagen is based on a real-life mobster, Frank DeSimone. While both men were lawyers that came from mafia families, DeSimone was heavily involved in illicit and violent activities of the gang, while Hagen mostly kept his hands clean. According to the backstory established in the various Godfather novels, Tom Hagen is an orphan, the son of Martin and Bridget Hagen. He also has a younger, unnamed sister. His father, Martin, is a carpenter and violent alcoholic. When Hagen is 10 years old, his mother catches an eye infection that results in blindness and dies soon after from venereal disease. Ooh. Remember the days when they used to call it, instead of STDs, it was venereal disease. That's right. VD, Sounds baby. So like gross. Valentine's Day. A few months after his mother's passing, his grief-stricken father drinks himself to death. Hagen and his sister are placed in an orphanage, but Hagen runs away. The sister ends up in a foster home while well, the social agencies at the time fail to follow up on Hagen's case. Hagen lives on the streets for more than a year when he develops a similar eye infection. Hagen is given warm food and a cot to sleep on, and the Don personally sees to it that Hagen's eye infection is given medical attention. Although the Don never formally adopts him, thinking that this would be disrespectful to Hagen's parents, Hagen thinks of Vito Corleone as his true father. For your father! Oh no, that was Enzo the baker. After graduating from law school, Hagen marries an Italian girl, Teresa, and offers to work for Vito as his lawyer. His German-Irish ancestry precludes his formal membership in the Mafia, which does not accept non-Italians. Well, let me tell you something, my crop neck friend. Right. But when Vito's consigliere, Genko Abadondo, is hospitalized with cancer, Hagen takes his place as the first non-Italian to achieve this important role. Hagen's ascension to consigliere provokes rival Mafia families to refer jokingly to Corleone's as the Irish gang. Hagen's keen mind and legal expertise make him a masterful consigliere, an integral part of the Corleone family empire. I better do the break because there's some more. Okay. I don't want to. We'll get, we'll get back to you, Tom. You're out, Tom. The biggest name. The best talent. This is Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. One moment, please. Yeah, what was that? 
Well, something ended, and Chris is in the bathroom, and I don't know how long he's going to be gone. You know, the rest of us don't know how long it's going to take. Chris well, is in the bat room? Or somewhere. I mean, when he's gone this long, he's I don't know. He's in the tea room? I can't imagine he's in the kitchen eating since, and you know, his food is right here. like that. Sure, I'm yeah. looking around for right. red lights we'll just, and green uh, lights and purple lights. Filler music going in the meantime, right? What do you mean by that? Well, we should play some music. You don't want to talk until he comes back, do you? We don't know how long he's going to take. Then we'll have to stop talking. You know what he's going to take. <laughs> No, and I don't want to know Probably what he's going to do. No, I don't want to think about it either. Oh. No. I'm thinking about Red Lobster for lunch. So you can't start that Tom Hagen thing because, you know, you don't know how you're going to have to interrupt yourself again. What spots did we have left in the break? Do you have any idea? I don't know. I'd have, have to get up and walk in the other room. You think I'm going to do that on a Friday? No. Hour and a half before we got to no. get out of here? I don't want to. No. I'm all distracted already. With what? Hot Weekend? date later. Yeah. You know, this is getting to be just, uh, you know. What? I don't know. Going to be a habit, habitual with you. Sure, it's about time. You're a habitual pervert, which of course is a good thing. Yeah. 367 on the survey, by the way, in our demographic survey. I'm not going to read the results till like later, till the end of the show, because it's uh, just a bunch of numbers, you know. It means nothing to them. It means something to us, though. It's muy importante, I believe. So is he coming back or not? Listen, you want me to get uh, I, the I mean, last I thing I want to do right now what? is get up and go find where he is. Oh, because if he's doing what there. I think he's doing... You don't want to go in there. It, yeah, right. And I, by the way, apologies to all of the females in the building on behalf of the male gender. I walked back there on the way out yesterday, and I don't know who did what. Well, I got an idea. But we don't, you know how the ventilation in that bathroom is non-existent? Yeah. Remember that? We don't, uh -huh. There's, there's a, a vent, but it doesn't, there's no fan. There's absolutely no ventilation in that room. So somebody went in there and did a number that would uh, bring tears to the strongest man's eyes. So my apologies. Hey, Chris, you want to finish the spot set now? Just fire something, man. Just anything. Just hit something. Hit a button. There is this. Call BellSouth now at 866-497-SAVE or go to BellSouth.com. So when you're ready to get everything you need from one company, just go with BellSouth. Listening. Answering. Alling outside the building. This last ten minutes, you know how long that break went on? He played the whole break again. Oh, whatever. Well, what do you mean, whatever? Oh, it's Friday. Come on. I wasn't here when it stopped, so I, he just said hit break. I said hit something. Here's a fact from um, some listener in Michigan who listens online. Officially, Benazir could not be shot because that would make her an official martyr. These things turn the world of the Islamist. It says, thanks for everything and laughs to it, says, and you're welcome. Listening on the line in the eternal twilight of Michigan. So I feel like I'm in the eternal twilight of hell. The twilight After zone. Break, and nobody seems to care. Oh, well, it's Friday. Well, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Well, we could care, and then what? Yeah. That's not going to change anything. And at least uh, wonder why, you know, try not to do it again, you know. Play the whole break again. We were in the last spot. We are in the last spot. And the tubby comes back there, lumpy. And uh, you say hit something, and so what does he do? He starts the whole sp break over again. Well, he didn't know where it stopped. Well, couldn't we, like, uh, discuss it? Could, I mean, was there, like, an emergency? Evidently, there was some kind of an emergency. But <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, and I don't want to discuss it. No, I don't want to think about it. Just goes waddling out of there, and all of a sudden he's in the hey, tea room doing God only knows what sort I, of ungodly thing. God knows, and I hope he's not telling. Uh, I don't want to hear about it. That was uh, pathetic, Lump. Tragic. So how about Tom Hagen? Oh, don't you don't you think he ought to like say something for himself? What do you want me to say? I mean, you know, 
I wasn't here when it suddenly stopped. I don't know why it stopped. So. So in other words, you're denying culpability for this? I'm not denying anything. Good. You're denying creating that stench in the tea room? Yes. I don't believe that. <laughs> After Connie Corleone's wedding, Higgins is dispatched by Vito Corleone to Hollywood in order to convince Jack Waltz, a big-time movie studio head, to give singer-actor Johnny Vontaine, uh, Vito's godson, the lead role in his new war film. When he first approaches Waltz, he offers help with some union trouble, as well as getting one of Waltz's actors off heroin in return for giving Fontaine the part. Waltz at first angrily refuses, but becomes more cordial once he finds out who Higgins works for. Waltz invites him to his palatial estate for dinner, shows him his prized racehorse, Khartoum. During the dinner, Waltz tries to work out another deal with Hagen, but refuses to cast Fontaine, who had slept with one of his mistresses. Later on that night, men working for the Corleone steal into Waltz's stables and decapitate Khartoum and place the horse's severed head and large amount of its blood in Waltz's bed. Severed head in your bed. The next day, Hagen receives a call from a ranting Waltz, who threatens to bring the law down on the Corleone's heads. Hagen gives a nonchalant response and hangs up. Shortly afterwards, Waltz gives Johnny Fontaine the coveted role. Hagen later compiles information on the drug lord Virgil the Turk Salazzo, who had approached Vito Corleone on behalf of the Tatalia crime family to help fund and provide political protection for his heroin operation in New York in exchange for 30% of the profits. About 30, man! Vito, after considering his options, refuses the Turk's proposal, though Sonny shows saw a slight interest. How long does this go on? Oh, we, better do, we better do the next break. We just finished a double break. Oh, my God. Hey, a little bonus uh, coverage for people there. Bonus, my ass. No, thank you. So like we're, into like that. Other, we're starting to get like the other shows. Oh, here's let's go into a 25-minute break now. We'll come back sometime. Just hang with us, baby. Just hang by your uh, toenails. And like I said, maybe we'll come back. And, you know. Maybe we'll play the break twice again. Got anything to do? Go do it now. Hey, you bastards. Hello, I'm Senator Hillary Clinton. And I'm Terrell Owens of the Dallas Cowboys. And we'd like to talk to you about National Shed a Tear Week. Too often people hold in their emotions and think that crying is a sign of weakness. That's right, Teo. Actually, crying is a positive thing. It could get the press off your back. Or it can help you win votes. So join me and Teo and have a good cry this week. Because it's not just about me or T.O. It's about our future and our children's future and our country. That's right, Hillary. <laughs> You're my quarterback. <laughs> it's not fair. <clears throat> Thank you and, and have, have a happy National Shed a Tear Week. Yeah, have a good cry, man. It can't hurt. 1245 at 560 WQAM. That's right. Have a good cry. Cry your eyes out. 383 on that survey, man. We'll get over, uh, what, 500 maybe? I don't know. 450. What do you say, Lump? Sounds good to me. Lump took a dump, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank God. Actually, I was, I was talking <laughs> to engineering at the time. So. You were what? I was actually in, in, talking to engineering at the time. About what? Just talking to them to make sure everything was going good and everything, and then all of a sudden this happened. So. Well, that'll teach you. You were in talking to engineering, which makes it a million times worse. We I was going to say, we boy, understand. you should have stayed with that other excuse. Right. Well, what do you mean, uh, if everything was going good? What, what does that mean? Just what? make sure we don't have any technical problems or, Why? you know, stuff that we need to have. How would you ask them that? I wasn't asking them. I was, you know, talking to them. To make sure we don't have any technical problems? Like what? Like, you know... Like the spot set ends whatever. in the middle and you're in yeah, another well. room talking crap? Yeah, well, you know. We thought you were taking a crap, not talking crap. 
Oh, my. Oh, my God. See, you know, see, that's the kind of thing. Let me give you a little piece of advice. You don't admit to something that stupid. Okay. You say, I was in there, and my, my right. guts were just bursting, and I was in there taking the dump of a lifetime. Then we can, you know, everybody can appreciate that. Like yesterday when I ran and ripped my toe, you know. But to tell me you're in there talking engineering, having a gab fest while the break is playing, that, that's unacceptable. I would say it's unacceptable. <clears throat> we're cutting your pay, by the way. Okay. Anyway, that December, Hagen's opinion by the Turk. Can, will you stop interrupting? This is very important stuff about Tom Hagen. That December, Hagen's abducted by the Turk and his bodyguards at an undisclosed location. Salazzo informs Hagen that Don Corleone has been shot and killed and tells Hagen to convince Sonny to go along with the original deal. Hagen promises to calm Sonny down, but warns the Turk about inevitable reprisal from Luca Brasi, the Don's fanatical, loyal bodyguard and hitman. Unbeknownst to Hagen, Brasi was killed by Salazzo and Bruno Tattaglia. The meeting is interrupted when Salazzo gets word that Don Corleone survived the shooting, which ruins all of Salazzo's plans, as Sonny would listen to no deal while, the, while his father was still alive. While he loves all the Corleones, Hagen idolizes Sonny, and so blames himself when Sonny is murdered by the Tatalias. After becoming the new head of the family, Michael Corleone removes Hagen as consigliere, restricting him to handling the family's legal business in Nevada, Chicago, and L.A. Hagen accepts the decision and remains loyal. In Godfather Part 2, after an attempt on Michael's life, Hagen takes over as acting Don while Michael tries to find out who in his organization had betrayed him and aided the assassins. Hagen is instrumental both in securing the friendship of powerful Senator Pat Geary and defending Michael during the Senate hearings on the Mafia. The fall of Fulgencio Batista's regime in Cuba forces Michael to abandon his dream of becoming a legitimate businessman and retake his place as the Don of the Corleone family. As a result, he gives Hagen back his old position as consigliere. Even as Michael becomes increasingly ruthless and paranoid, Hagen dutifully fulfills his role not just as a legal advisor, but a dispassionate envoy for the family. For example, he gives Frank Pantangeli, who had betrayed Michael, the option of committing suicide so that Pantangeli's family would continue to be taken care of after his death. Godfather Part 3. According to the Godfather Part 3, Hagen dies at some point prior to the time frame of the film 1979-80. There's no specific indication in the film as to how or when he dies, except that it's before the ordination of his son, Andrew. Mike Weingartner's sequel, The Godfather's Revenge, explains that Hagen is murdered August 64 by former Corleone underboss Nick Garacci, who drowns him in the Florida Everglades. Really? Garacci then sends Michael a package containing a dead baby alligator, along with Hagen's wallet, a message similar to the one that sent to Sonny in the original novel following Luca Brasi's death. Tom sleeps with the alligators. <laughs> yeah, Tom sleeps. Meanwhile... Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> right. Now, behind the scenes, the Hagen character was originally intended to have been featured in Godfather Part Three, but was written out because of a financial disagreement between Duval and the film's producers. Coppola stated that Part Three was originally planned to feature a split between Michael and Hagen in its, as its central plot. Coppola stated in the film's document, uh, commentary that Duval demanded the same salary as Al Pacino, and he said, uh-uh, no way. Can't do it, Sally. He said, don't call me Sally, and they said, what a thing. And that was the end of that. So that's why we didn't see him in Godfather 3. Low budget, that's why they could afford George Hamilton, and they could afford right. Eli Wallace and Mary, Eli Mary Coppola. Oh, my God. Eat another, have another cannoli, uh, Eli. And, you know, I never noticed uh, until that movie what a bad actor he was, and I you know, He's saw the worst. some of the older movies. There's a scene where they have the hit in the Atlantic City in the, in the casino yeah, in that yeah. big boardroom. Mm -hmm. That scene is the right. most embarrassing I thought we melodramatic scene oh, of ever let seen. Me go, let me go. Oh, my God. 
There are people on death row for lesser crimes than the overacting he did in that movie, man. That, that was just the worst. And then, of course, when I, I love the thing where she gave him the uh, cano- the box of cannolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, you eat it. You're so skinny, you know. And she like she like gums just a little tiny bit off the uh, tip end of it, you know. The cannoli. Three ninety two on a survey. By the top of this hour, we're going to be over four hundred. How do you like that, fat so lumpy? He's in there talking to the engineers. We're doing a radio show. He's in there having a confab. Is there anything wrong? Such as what? I didn't know I wasn't allowed to talk to people. In the middle of the show? We were in a break. See, here's the deal. Here, here's when you go talk to an engineer. When there is a problem, that's when you go to engineering and say, hey, the streaming is screwed up or uh, the audio vault just dropped out or, or something. See? Now, maybe you okay. were having a psychic moment. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe you... Uh, knew the uh, audio vault was going to drop out and the spot was going to stop in the middle. We'd have dead air. But, of course, if you knew that, then you should have sh- uh, sh- sat your fat ass there. What sat. word did you say? Sat. Okay. No, I see, that's what I thought he did. Uh, right, me too. Oh, my God. He's in there talking to the engineers, having a conversation in the middle of the show. You just aren't ready for prime time at all, mister. You ain't no Josh Cordes. Thank God. Well, here's the good news, okay? What? What are you laughing about? Is it two yet? You know what? I think you ought to do one to two. I need to lay down on the floor hey, and recuperate. I think Jax ought to do one to two and get that hour back. We're not going to do it. We're not doing that. We don't, I don't want him doing one to two. I don't want to? Uh, you don't want to? That uh, crap, whatever it is that he you know, does. I don't want that on this show. Come on now. No. And, the, and those bits. Oh, my God. Well, if you make me do it, I'll play some scat music. Tax rebate checks will begin going out in May, Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson said after the House's passage of the Senate-approved $167 billion economic stimulus package Thursday. My reaction to that is stimulate this, please. The House of Representatives voted 380 to 34 to send the measure to the President a few hours after Democratic and Republican senators reached the court and ended a day-long stalemate over legislation. Earlier, two White House officials said President Bush would support the package. It'll be delivered to the White House today. Bush is signing likely sometime next week. The package was passed the Senate 81 to 16. will send rebate checks to 130 million Americans in amounts of 300 to 600 bucks for people who have an income between $3,000 and $75,000 plus 300 bucks a child. Couples earning up to 150 grand will get $1,200. What am I going to get? About 30, man. Christ. The checks are in advance on next year's refunds, and most, if not all, the money will be deducted from the taxpayers' refunds in 12 months' time. My team will be sitting down with the IRS tomorrow, and the IRS, right in the middle of tax filing season, will be working to get checks out, said Paulson, who helped broker the deal. Paulson said the process of sending the checks will be completed by the end of the summer. It'll be a really uh, bummer if you don't have your money by the end of the summer. So now you're all rich, man. Going to get a big Woo! check. Big check. 300, 600, mm-hmm. maybe 1,200. Can't Don't wait. Spend it all in one place. Like, uh, like Sophia told, uh, you know, yeah. the bishop. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> $50 million from the Corleone Foundation. That, that would be, now, I guess we've taken that poll. Who was the worst performer in The Godfather? In Did we? Ways? Did we do that? I don't know. Eli Wallach and Sophia Coppola, Coppola and George Hamilton. There Those three men, they got. That's all you got to put on there. What? That's all you got to put on there. Yeah, because everybody else was good. Right. But those three. What about Carlo? I don't think Carlo was too good. Oh, I thought he was great. He took he up eating. And, and what and about kept on eating. Donahue? Who? Connie's uh, fiance. Oh, okay. 
If you marry this man, I'm going to be very disappointed. He was uh, very lackluster. I don't know. Yeah, he. Well, that was him. He's dead mm-hmm. now, by the way. Troy Is he? he? Well, good. Serves him he right. was always lackluster. He couldn't sing. He couldn't act. He couldn't dance. He couldn't uh, do nothing. He made a lot of money, though. Once upon a time, I guess. Who did he know? He was one of those teen idols, you know, for about five minutes. Like Tommy Sands. Teenage Crush. You got that on Capitol Records. Tommy Sands. Here it is, a Teenage Crush. Gotta, I like Orange Crush. Give me a little bit more time than that. You don't have it. Capitol Records, baby. I remember that dark blue label. Purple, like the purple people eater. Tommy Sands? Tommy Sands, S-A-N-D-S. Wow, I, I, got, like no Sands. Sands. Yes. I got no Tommy Sands. You got no Tommy Sands? Yeah, but by the time we come back from the break, I will. Oh. I'll work on it. There's Bubba. Do what we've always done for each other. I will let her bounce ideas off of me. I'll tell her what I think. You know, we'll talk through things. And I'll be available Talking about Monica again. She's going to bounce it off of me. assignments seem right. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd do that for President Bush. Yeah, he'd do it for President I know what he'd do for President Bush, all right. I can't say it on the air, though, because then the Secret Service will be knocking on the door. We don't want to be going there. We don't need that kind of grief. After we already had lump-induced grief this hour. You were talking to engineering. Do you have any idea how that just, like what, like a social club, like uh, like schmoozing? That's exactly what it was. Schmoozing. He's schmoozing with the engineers. Anything wrong? Anything, uh, you know? Is there anything else, Robin? Yeah. That, oh, you beat me by about a quarter of a second. I was just going there. Yeah. Anything else, Robin? Anything else? Come on. Maybe we can stay on for 20 hours today, Robin. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. This is Arnold. This is not a tumor. It's the one to two hour. Language tape number six. The convenience store. Follow along and repeat. Convenience store manager. Hello. May I be to helping you, please? Repeat. Hello. May I be to helping you, please? Customer. Yes. I would like a pack of Parliament Lights. Convenience store manager. You want a Parliament Light? Repeat. You want a Parliament Light? Customer. Yes. I would like a pack of Parliament Lights. Convenience store manager. This uh, a Parliament Light? Repeat. Is this a Parliament Light? Uh, uh, this one. Parliament? Customer. No. Neither one of those is the Parliament Light. Wait, no, is it this one? No, this? no, it's not that one. You want a Parliament Light? Yes, I want the Parliament Lights, please. Is it over here? No, the, par- the Parliament Light. This one? No, no, the par- no, can't you see it? This no, one, no, 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 over this there one? by the dirty magazines. What? Can't you see it? Listen, laundry head, it's the Parliament Light. Now, can't you see it's right over turn this tape over for language tape number seven. Ordering Chinese food over the phone. All right. A long time since I played that. Not uh, long enough, though. 101 at 560 WQM. Now, what did you say we're going to do this hour? Did you say you and Chris, Chris is doing the hour as part of his punishment That's for right. uh, his aberrant behavior? You were going to you were going to talk up Tommy Sands. Why, you have it? Listen, why would I tell you to say that? Oh, I'm waiting. I thought you were going to talk it up. <laughs> oh. Well, it sure is taking a long time. I mean, it's well, there. It's not working, see. What do you mean it's there? It's there. The file is there. It's just not firing. Well, why not? I don't know. There we go. Well, there it is. Now it's going to restart because I just double-clicked on it again. You know, it's a slow computer. Oh, Charlie, See, I, 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 I did a great job. Sorry. Oh, my God. 
Based on recent FEC uh, reports, there aren't that many left who still waste their money on right-wing GOP causes. But McCain, like all Republicans, still went to CPAC to lick the dirty boots of the dregs of political activists. He declares himself a foot soldier from the Reagan Revolution, a dubious honor at best. McCain may claim conservative credentials, but he isn't always has been a political maverick. The show and tell in Washington Thursday was at best window dressing. McCain will win the nomination without the help of the right wing, and if he becomes, be pre- uh, he becomes president, will be in spite of them. If this country swears in the first woman or African-American president next year, it will be in spite of the right wing as well. Right-wingers, like the outdated and outmoded principles they claim, are has-beens. The idea and so-called values died a long time ago. It's long past time for them and their movement to join the corpses in that grave. Attaboy, Doug. They're after you, baby. They're going to come and get your ass. And then we will fear them. Maybe they should fear you. That was... I know. Yeah, I know. I try to make a case for that movie, but it ain't easy. I, I agree with you. The points that they make in the movie and what you know are story. good, but the they're lost. Story, the but they're Bank lost. Scandal, right? You know, it's like a diamond buried deep in a turd. You're never going to see it or appreciate mm. it. It's just you know. Maybe it was buried deep in a cannoli, the one that Eli Wallach oh. was joking on. <laughs> Such corn. I thought we could reason together. Uh-huh. Oh, you have to just see that one scene. When the table starts shaking and the chandelier yeah, starts yeah, yeah. Uh, quaking. Joey Zaza says, uh, you will not give, I will take. And he storms out the door and then Eli Wallach, uh, you know, gets up on his cane wobbly and, uh, oh, I thought, let me talk to him, Michael, let me talk to him. And, of course, gets the hell out of there because he knows it's going to be a hit, but nevertheless. It's a hit. And then the, one of the Dons there, remember, hanging onto his coat after he got shot. My mm-hmm. favorite coat, you mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mother effers. That was pretty nasty language, even though he just got shot. Right. Well, what would you say if you just got shot? Mother or something. Mother, sure. mother Mary. Hail Mary, Holy Mother of God. Blessed is uh, the uh, fruit. 424 Italians. I'm looking at the uh, time we did this years ago and how much younger the audience was back then. But then again, that's uh, years ago, you know. Maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, men 18 to 24 and 25, 34, we had a ton. Of, I mean, just a ton of those people. Now we have a dribble. Now, maybe over the weekend it's going to change. You think? Maybe those people are working, they're in school. They're I, I, I thought that as well. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Cause it's everybody's at, either at school or at work or something. And, yeah, over the weekend. Oh, boy. Otherwise, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and men over 55, we got 102 out of 429. We got 23.7%. The first time we had only 6.6%, 43 out of 644. Old cockers like me. That's what happens when you get old. You know, all these people got old with me. It's all right. We'll take them. Don't go anywhere. We need you. Speaking of crazy people with guns, there's just so many of these stories. My God. Ten days after losing a federal lawsuit against the St. Louis suburb, he insisted harassed him. A gunman stormed a council meeting, yelled, shoot the mayor, and opened fire, killing two police and three city officials, authorities, and witnesses said. The gunman identified as Charles Lee Cookie Thornton, critically injured the city's mayor, wounded a reporter Thursday night before law enforcement fatally blew his crap away. The only way I can put into context that you might understand is that my brother went to war tonight with the people, the government that was putting torment and strife into his life, his brother, Gerald Thornton, told KMOV TV in St. Louis. He went to war with the people. Tracy Panis, a St. Louis County police spokeswoman, said the names of the victims wouldn't be released till a news conference today, but the wounded included Mayor Mike Swoboda, who was in critical condition last night in the intensive care unit of St. John's Mercy Hospital in Crevacour. 
Another victim, Suburban Journal's newspaper reporter Todd Smith, was in satisfactory condition, thanks God. Panis said the gunman killed one officer outside City Hall, then walked into council chamber, shot another one, and continued pulling the trigger. Another crazy person with a gun. Crazy pissed off people with guns. Maybe it's the American way. Janet McNichols, a reporter covering the meeting for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, sold the newspaper the meeting had just started when the shooter opened fire. He started yelling about shooting the mayor while walking around and firing, hitting police officer Tom Ballman in the head. The shooter then went after the public works director, Kenneth Yost. I wonder if he is kin to Eddie Yost, who used to play third base for the old Washington Senators. She also said the shooter fired at city attorney John Hessel to try to fight off the attacker by throwing chairs. The shooter then moved behind the desk where the council sits and fired more shots at council members. We crawled under the chairs and just laid there, McNichols told. I wonder if he's kin to Mickey McNichol or Christy McNichols. Or what was your brother's name, Jimmy? Yes, that's it. He was a great actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, everybody in the family back in the day, you know, had to be like uh, Dick Van Patten and his son, uh, uh, Vincent Van Patten. Wow. I still get chills. I still get boost, boost, boost bumps. Boost, boost bumps? He was in with Linda Blair. You know the name of it. Uh, Fright something. Fright Night. Fright Night, yes. Is that it? Yeah. No. Oh, he was... That's no? a different movie. That was the uh, vampire movie. Right. Well, you could Ed. Google uh, Vincent Van Patten or Linda Blair and you'd find a Yeah, but I'm trying point. not to. He was running around in his underwear, and so was she, and they were, like, jumping around on that bed and got all Yeah, she didn't get naked in that movie, though. No, he did, though, just about. Then he became a tennis player, Vince Van Patten, and the other, his brother, uh, he's got another brother that's a tennis player, boring, ugly, mm-hmm. and his father, Dick, who was on 8 is Enough. He was a, uh, in fact, I think uh, Dick Van Patten, his first uh, TV show was uh, Life with Mama. He played Nels, Nels. I did I'm not know that. Huh? I did not know that. Let me Google it. Life with Mama. Oh, my God, you've got to be 100 years old, remember that. You know, you've got to be 6,000 years old, remember that. What? Want some filament? Life with Mama. Or what was it called? I Remember Mama. Maybe Hell Night? Called... Yes, that's what? it. Hell Night. Hell Night. Thank, thank you, Chris. Oh, i got to get that. During the break, I'm going to Google I Remember Mama. And if he's in it, you both owe me a million dollars. Your biggest name. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. It's Friday, you bastard. Ricky, 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 Ricky. WQM, happy Friday to you. We've got the Jerk Show at 2, Mad Dog 4 to 7. Don't forget the DA Show 9 to Midnight, our new guy on the block. He's good. 
End of the show. Remember Mama. I remember Mama. What did I tell you? Well, good. It's got a picture of the cast that brings a tear to my eye. 1949 to 1957 on CBS, 30 minutes, black and white. Peggy Wood as Martha Hansen. Judson Lair as Papa Lars Hansen. I remember Mama and Papa Hansen. Rosemary Rice as Catrin Hansen. Ruth Gates, Carol Frank, Alice Frost. And guess who played Nels Hansen? Dick Van Patten. Wow. 1949 to 57. How do you like that? And the show used to start with these words. I remember the big white house on Steiner Street and my little sister Dagmar and my big brother Nels and Papa. But most of all, I remember Mama. 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 Mama la. Mama. Mama mia. Mama la tuya. What? What? Mama was the story of a Norwegian-American family living in San Francisco in 1910. The story is told to the eyes of daughter Katrin, Rosemary Rice. The show opened looking through the pages of the family album and remembering. Mama was played by veteran stage actress Peggy Wood, who created one of the warmest characters ever to grace TV. In 1956, they canceled Mama, but popular support from the public brought it back for a 13-week run on Sunday afternoons from December or March 57. Sadly, except for that last 13 weeks, Mama was telecast live rather than filmed, so we have no taped record of that show. Oh, no. Passings. Ruth Gates died in 1966 of a heart attack. Carl Frank in 72. Now, let's see. Who was Papa? Who played Papa? Hey, Papa. Oh, Justin Lear. Oh, Justin Lear died in 79. Peggy Wood died of a stroke in 78. Kevin Coughlin in a car accident in 76. And Alice Frost in 98. But Dick Van Patten, he's still alive. They hit him with five shots. And he's still alive. How come we're so Godfather intensive? Oh, because Brandon sent me all that stuff, and it's good. It's good right. crap, man. It's good crap. We'll be Godfather what are you doing on the forever. You're going to make 500 a day. You better make 500 on this one, mister, or your ass is green grass. Okay. Tom Jones would say the green, green grass of home where George is smoking it. Tom Jones sang that? He sure did. Or did Engelbert Humperdinck sing that? I don't know. Tom Jones, I think. You better look it up. You got it? What, what is, okay. I don't know, between The Godfather and all these stupid songs? Tom Jones, you're right. And Jack Palance. Jack Palance, he was a singer. Eschmer, a singer, man. Guess what? The old hometown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just when you least suspect it. Right. Just when you thought it was safe to listen to the radio again. And there to meet me. Is he dead? Wow. He is oh, yeah. He is so dead. He was one of the ugliest I'm actors to ever, you know, make it big. I mean, he, but I mean, yeah, there, but were, people, there were people who made it like um, Lon Chaney and Lon right. Chaney Jr. Because they were supposed to be ugly and they played those kind of roles. Gruesome roles. Well, know. who knows what Lon Chaney really looked like? He was always wearing makeup. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he looked like... Uh, I mean, I don't Robert think he Benson. really did look like Quasimodo, you know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. You're right. There's Al Gore. <laughs> Maybe I do. Bill Clinton. Uh, a lot of talk... But a beep, but a boop, but a bop. There's Al Gore talking up a storm. But a beep, but a boop, but a bop. He said, I won, but uh, I don't care. But you could uh, run again, Al. I don't wanna. That's what he said. I don't wanna. 455 on the survey. We better get to 500. We, got, uh, we need 45 uh, more people on there in 39 minutes. That's easy, man. Isn't that easy? C. And what did we get on the first one, Chris? A thousand, eleven hundred and something. Eleven seventy-two. Wow. That means we're going to be close to maybe over seventeen hundred by the end of the day. Now, granted, it's two poles. It's cheating, but nobody's paying any attention. Except a bunch of old folks like me. That's all right. Nothing wrong with getting old. It's better than the alternative. You're right. Now, speaking of crazy people with guns, Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. 
A would-be bar owner, angry at being denied a liquor license, threatened to shoot people at the Super Bowl and drove to within sight of the stadium with a rifle and 200 rounds of ammunition before changing his mind. Christ, they should have shot Eli, man. That would have done it. Now, even that wouldn't have done it. I still would have lost. Kurt William Havelock. I wonder if he's kin to Havelock Ellis, who wrote all of those sex books. Remember Havelock Ellis? No. No. Kurt William Havelock, who ultimately turned himself in, had vowed to shed the blood of the innocent in a manifesto mailed Sunday to media outlets, according to court documents, no one destroys my dream, he wrote. In other words, another crazy guy with guns. The documents say he was armed with an AR-15 assault-style rifle Sunday when he reached a parking lot near University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, where pregame activities were happening. He waited about a minute and decided he couldn't do this, FBI agent Philip Thorland testified at a detention hearing for Havelock on Tuesday. Havelock's father testified his son then called his fiancée and met his parents at his condo in Tempe, like Glendale, a suburb of Phoenix. He was very upset, sobbing hysterically, Frank Havelock said. He said, I've done something terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> Current Havelock, 35, was charged Monday with mailing threatening communications. He's being held without bail. Additional hearings have yet to be scheduled. His lawyer, Jeffrey Allen Williams, Alan Williams, did immediately return call seeking comment. Federal authorities say Havelock was upset over being denied a liquor license. That'll do it. That'll piss me off. Let's go kill some people. A few months ago, Tempe officials denied his application for a liquor license for a Halloween-themed bar called the Haunted Castle. Tempe officials never recommended the license to the state liquor board, they said. There were some neighbors who came forward and said it wasn't the right business for their part of Tempe, she said. They heard he wanted to call his place Drunkensteins. <laughs> right. What's wrong with that? Drunkenstein. That's a good idea. The FBI said the complaint that Havelock planned to attack Super Bowl at the stadium in what he called a econo-political confrontation. I won't be bullied by the financial institutions and their puppet politicians, he wrote in the eight-page manifesto. I will test the theory that bullets speak louder than words. Maybe the he's, blood of the right. inculpable will cause a paradigm shift. Someone has to start the revolution, but no one wants to be first, he said. Authorities said in the complaint, Havelock first started targeting a shopping center in North Phoenix before planning to attack the stupid bull. How many dollars will you lose? And all because you took my right to own a business from me, the manifesto said. And then he just, oh, he crying. Yeah. Broke down in tears. And lost it. And now he's uh, in Aftoris, I guess. Huh? He's in trouble. Right. What is that thing under? What thing? Dan. Dan rather snort. Oh, there it is. Right. <laughs> like that. It's almost as good as that sound that, uh, what's his name, kept making, Hyman Roth. No, that's not it. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, that frocky man, it's a Jewish thing, it's from eating too much deli. I thought it was because he was dying. No, it's from eating too much deli, you get a, like post-nasal drip. You ever I see a post-nasal drip? Just this morning. Yeah, in fact, if you look across the window there, you'll see a drip. God. Now, when we come back, do we want to do the Frankie Pantangeli thing? Or yeah. Frankie do? Five Angels. Why not? What else you got Smoking to do? Smoking could kill a billion people during the century, WHO says. Who? Aggressive diabetes treatment linked to heart attacks and strokes, okay? So just eat a lot of candy and pizza, man. Forget about that diabetes. Aggressive oh, okay. treatment will kill you. And if you have wildly high blood sugar like mine is today, and you want to know why? Because when I came back last night from Woodbine, I had a frozen spaghetti dinner. Oh, jeez. Before bed. Well, you can't do that. And your blood sugar goes skyrocketing. You wake up in the morning like, like that, you know? And they start chopping off your limbs, and you can't see too much where you're going, and you're like, uh, you start screaming like, I'm dying over here. Like that. 
31 at 560 WQAM. Before we get to Frankie Pentangeli, and I will, don't worry about it. Good, you I need closure. I veteran investigative journal. What? I need closure on Frankie. Yeah, you'll get closure. Close your mouth. A new article by veteran investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch offered a detailed examination of the claims that Israel bombed a nuclear facility under construction in Syria last September and finds that none of the evidence stands up to scrutiny. According to Hirsch, a former senior U.S. intelligence official who has access to current intelligence said, we don't have any proof of any reactor, no signals intelligence, no human intelligence, no satellite intelligence. However, Hirsch found that the Israelis were continuing to stand adamantly by their claims. When I went to Israel in late December, the government was still maintaining secrecy about the raid, but some current and former officials and military officers were willing to speak without attribution. Most were adamant that Israel's intelligence had been accurate. Don't you write that there was nothing there, a senior Israeli official who's in a position to know the details of the raid on Syria said, shaking a finger at me, the thing in Syria was real. Don't you dare write there was nothing there. Okay. You know what Seymour Hersh said? What? Coxahoyes. Okay, good. Just one Israeli official expressed doubts, but also brushed them away. One Syrian official suggested to Hearst that the Israelis may have picked up the presence of North Korean laborers at the site and drawn their own conclusions. The Israelis may have their own spies and watch the laborers being driven to the area, the senior officer said. The Koreans were not there at night, but slept in their quarters and were driven to the site in the morning. The building was an isolated area, and the Israelis may have concluded that even if there was a slight chance of it being a nuclear facility, we'll take that risk. Ross Duray's Larissa Alexandrovna reported last fall that current and former intelligence privately agreed the Syrian facility was not nuclear in nature. Hirsch's article is the first major mainstream confirmation of that report. And Jew Lieberman and Wolf Blitzkrieg ain't too happy about it either. Okay, let's get to Frankie Pantangeli. Okay? Please. Frankie Five Angels, also known as Frankie Pants. 1890 to 1959. Fictional character from the film The Godfather Part Two. In the film, he was portrayed by Michael V. Gazzo who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his performance. I didn't know that. It's been suggested that Pentangeli was based on the famed mafia informant Joe Valachi, though this hasn't been confirmed. He was born in Partinico, a small town outside of Palermo, Sicily. 
potentially as a capo regime in the Corleone family, running the family's operations in New York City, while Michael and Fredo are in Nevada. Fredo, I knew it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. Where is it? Right here. You broke my heart. What, what's it under? I knew it was you. Really? Huh? No, oh, there it is. Broke my oh. heart. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You what? You broke my heart. He took over the position following the death of the previous capo, Pete Clemenza. Fantangeli is a very old associate and family friend, having worked with Vito Corleone in the early days of their olive oil business. He now lives in Vito's former estate on Long Island. Near the beginning of the story, Pentangeli approaches Michael to ask for his help in eliminating the Rosado brothers, rivals in New York, who claim to have been promised territories by Peter Clemenza promised prior to his death, but Michael refuses. He orders Pentangeli to do nothing and doesn't want a war to interfere with an upcoming deal with Hyman Roth, who supports the Rosados. Pentangeli takes this as an insult and leaves in anger. Later that night, Michael narrowly escapes an assassination attempt at his home. Suspecting that Hyman Roth was behind the assassination attempt, Michael meets with Pentangeli and asks him to help take his revenge. Pentangeli agrees, promising to end his feud with the Rosado brothers and give the impression that Michael supported their claims so as to give Roth the impression that Michael didn't know he was conspiring against him. You following that? Yep. Back in New York, Pentangeli arranges a meeting with the Rosado brothers. At the meeting, Tony Rosado, played by Danny Aiello, who couldn't act his way out of a paper sack, Ambushes Pantangelo with a garrot telling him, Michael Corleone says hello. Or as the, as, uh, what's his name, McCloskey said, Corleone. Remember that? Yeah. A policeman passes by in the murder attempt of, uh, the, the, uh, no, that wasn't uh, McCloskey who said that, that was the senator. Right. Corleone. Yeah, Corleone. He's I don't like nice. your kind. A policeman passes by and the murder attempt evolves into a shootout in the street. Pantangelo disappears is believed to be dead. Although Rosado invites Michael's, invokes Michael's name in the attempted hit on Pentangeli, it's clear from the dialogue between Michael and Fredo that Pentangeli's fate after the shootout was a mystery to Michael. This discussion happens in the brothers' first meeting following Michael's confrontation with Fredo in Havana. Later at a congressional hearing, Pentangeli is presented as a surprise witness by the committee. Oh, yeah, I know. we got to hear it. Hell, I already played it once today. Once is never going to be enough. I kept saying, uh, uh, Michael Corleone did this. And uh, Michael Corleone did that. So I said, uh, yes. yes, sure. He's been in the custody of the FBI since the murder attempt, believing that Michael ordered him killed. He's prepared to testify that Michael is head of the most powerful mafia family in the nation, has ordered countless murders. He's considered very credible since, as a capo, there's no insulation between him and the Don. Pentangeli also intends to testify that Michael personally murdered Captain McCluskey and Virgil Salozzo. Because Pentangeli's protective custody is so secure, Michael knows he'll be unable to have him killed before the trial. Instead, he flies Pentangeli's brother, Vincenzo, in from Sicily, who appears in the hearing room. Upon seeing his brother, Pentangeli then recants his earlier statements and now claims the Corleone family is innocent of any wrongdoing, thereby derailing the government case. After the hearing, Tom Hagen visits Pentangeli and discusses how tough his... Pentangeli discusses how tough his brother is, much tougher than himself, says Frankie. Hagen tells Frankie he did the right thing by recanting, and that if he accepts the responsibility for turning on the Corleone family, Frankie's own family will be always taken care of and remain unharmed. He thanks Hagen, returns to his room, and slits his wrist in the bathtub. Thanks, Tom. The finished film leaves unclear exactly what about his brother's presence caused Frankie to change his story. An early version of the script, however, details that Frankie's brother himself is a hardened mafia chieftain in Sicily. Shocked that Frankie's about to betray the Corleones, his brother appears to remind Frankie that he mustn't break the mafia's code of silence, Omerta. 
His brother's mere presence and icy stare directed at Frankie serve as a threat that if Frankie follows through with his planned testimony, retribution will be taken against his former mistress and their child who are living in Sicily under his brother's guardianship. Original plans called for Clemenza to return for part two. However, Richard Castellano, now here's a diff- this is a different spin on it, who played Clemenza in The Godfather, right. agreed to return only on the condition that his girlfriend at the time be allowed to rewrite his dialogue to his own satisfaction. I see. Rather than give in to this demand, director Francis Ford Coppola rewrote the script so that Clemenza had recently died of a heart attack. Yeah. Pentangeli was created to be Clemenza's successor. He first appears wearing a black band in remembrance of Clemenza, which how his death is explained to right. the audience. He's wearing a black armband. Mm-hmm. Too many cannolis. I remember that. Not enough guns, too many cannolis. And a partridge and a pear tree. So there you go. There's uh, Frankie Pentangeli for you. TomPayne.com just buzzed my thing, and I'm not uh, too pleased about it. Either. Really? I like the phone. They buzzed my thing. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. My crowd, Nick friend. All right. Forty-five at five sixty WQM. We're almost out of here. Oh, hallelujah! Woo. Happy day, man. Showing up. Woo! That Monday just set my life back. I think it just—I uh, don't know. I don't go and pee on Clarence's desk. You'll never get it back. That's too late now. Why is that? Could have had this hour back. Are you deaf or what? <laughs> what? I don't wanna. I don't wanna. <laughs> I know. I don't want to put him on this hour on this show. Okay. He's got his two hours on there. Let him do his uh, whatever that crap is. He did. By the way, the Heat lost again last night. Now that they don't have, <laughs> yeah, or anybody else. So what Gee. is that like? Twenty out of twenty-one. Um, I yeah, either that. Or Even the Toronto Maple Leafs won a game in Montreal last night, four to two. Wow, must have been an aberration. Must have been a, a dream. 
It's got a little hockey talk going on there. Oh, there's that, uh, what's his name, with his clothes on this time. But to win in this building. You know, it's um, great in this building because everybody... In this building. Like, Tlusti, he's got his clothes like on. Like he was uh, naked on the Internet, by the way, and now he plays for the Maple Leafs. Really? Uh, it's really so nice. And, uh, and he's ugly. And Every guy play very hard, and I think you're uh, Tlusti, man. everyone's happy to win. Tonight. Happy to win. Well, you know, if you play enough games, sooner or later you're going to win one. You know, Yeti, and put some clothes on. You're ugly. Wow. Tobacco could kill a billion people in the 21st century unless governments act now to dramatically reduce smoking, the World Health Organization said today. A billion people, man. That's all. Yeah, bunch. whatever. Oh, you don't care? No. But you're smoking. Yeah, it's an option, see? Nobody's the being forced to smoke. The agency said no country in the world was doing all it could to curb tobacco use, which it estimates would kill 500 million people who are alive today. 500 million people are going to die from those faggots. And one of those right-wingers are so averse to faggots. You think that's what it is? No. It called on all nations to adopt a six-pronged strategy to dissuade people, especially women and young people, from smoking and to help them quit. Raising taxes to as high as 75% or more a pack. You know, it's like 10 bucks a pack here. What is it there? Does anybody have any idea? I don't. 10 bucks a pack for faggots here. Really? Yeah. I don't know how much of that is taxes, but a lot, I guess. Raising taxes to as high as 75% or more of the pack price would be the single most effective strategy, the WHO said. Higher taxes would also provide funds to counter tobacco industry marketing tactics. While efforts to combat tobacco are gaining momentum, virtually every country needs to do more, said Margaret Chan, the WHO Director General. These six strategies are within reach of every country, rich or poor, when combined as a package. They offer us the best chance of reversing this growing epidemic. And she wasn't talking about a package of faggots either. The six key measures that said government should take are monitoring tobacco use and prevention policies, protecting people through smoking bans, offering to help quit, warning about the dangers of tobacco, enforcing bans on promotion, marketing, and sponsorship, and raising taxes. It named the strategy by the acronym MPOWER. Only 5% of the world's population live in countries that fully implement any, any one of the six measures according to the WHO. Oh. While the U.K. score is well compared with most countries, it doesn't have a large warning picture on cigarette packs, tax is less than 60% of the package price, and promotion at point of sale is allowed. More than a quarter of adults, 28% smoke every day, the Brits. That's why they got those yellow teeth. That makes sense. Plus they don't brush their teeth, they don't go to the dentist, and their teeth are rotting like the queen. Well, she's probably got good dental well, care. They should brush their teeth, brush their teeth, brush their mother's yes. teeth. The WHO said the tobacco industry was increasingly targeting the developing world where millions of people are becoming addicted every year. As many as 100 million Chinese men currently under age 30 will die from tobacco use. Well, that's one thing to look forward to because there's too many of them in the first place, right? Right. In India, about a quarter of deaths among middle-aged men are caused by smoking. Well, at least it covers up that curry smell anyway. It termed the rise in smoking among young women one of the most ominous developments because most women currently don't use tobacco. The tobacco industry aggressively markets to them. It said advertising sponsorship, including charitable donations to women's causes, weaken cultural opposition to women using tobacco. Product design and marketing, including use of attractive models in advertising and brands marketed specifically to women, are explicitly crafted to encourage women to smoke. Smoke it, honey. Smoking impacts most heavily on the poor who spend proportionally more of their household income on tobacco and are more likely to become ill and die as a result. I'm dying over here. Raising taxes on cigarettes is essential to WHO. How about $100 a pack? Yeah. 
because it's been shown to persuade young people and low-wage earners to quit. Four countries have tax rates higher than 75% of retail price, and cigarettes are not heavily taxed in impoverished developing countries. Tax revenues give governments money they can spend on fighting the smoking epidemic. The report said the lack of funding for such campaigns was indefensible. In other words, unacceptable. Nearly 90% of the money spent on tobacco control estimated $343 million in 89 countries is spent by seven wealthy nations. Less than 1% is spent by low-income countries, even though ill health caused by tobacco damages their economies. Oh, well, they're schluckers anyway. Let them lose their souls. Isn't that what he said? That's what he said. Let them move and their tobacco holes. 488. Oh, don't tell me we're going to fall short. We need 12 more people to tally in there on that survey, and we've only got 488. You're slipping, Chris. We'll get it. 500 so badly, man, we've only got like nine, and a half, nine minutes to do it. 490. We'll get it. We need 10 uh, people in 10 minutes. Canadian diabetes experts are stunned after a major North American study found driving blood sugar levels below current guidelines appears to increase the risk of dying from heart attack and stroke in high-risk patients. I'm dying over here. Experts have long thought lowering blood sugar levels in diabetes patients to levels found in non-diabetic adults would reduce their risk of dying of cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of people, uh, death in people with diabetes. The discovery announced this week prompted U.S. officials to halt one part of the study 18 months early to protect the safety of participants. Patients who are receiving intense treatment to lower blood sugar levels are now getting the less intensive standard treatment. The $300 million trial launched by the U.S. National Institutes of Health in 2001 was designed to test this assumption. Researchers don't yet know why aggressively lowering blood sugar levels increase the risk of death in some patients. Of the 2,000-plus patients enrolled in Accord in the study, 257 in the intensive treatment group have died, <coughs> compared with 203 in the standard group. More than 10,000 patients with type 2 diabetes are enrolled in the study at 77 different sites across Canada and the U.S. Some 1,500 Canadians, including 80 from Toronto, are involved in the study. While researchers are surprised that rapidly normalizing blood sugar levels with intense treatment may be harmful for some diabetes patients, they stress the findings won't change therapy for most patients with type 2 diabetes. Other studies have shown that lowering blood sugar levels reduces the risk of blindness, kidney disease, and amputations in diabetes of patients. So don't eat that pasta, man. Don't go get no ice cream, Mr. <coughs> idiot, you maniac. I'm dying over here. Okay, so that uh, I think we'll get to 500. Well, we've got, I don't know, 490. I don't yeah, see any on there. Four, oh, 499. Like I said, we will get 500 people on it. And that's not all that much. It should be like 50,000, shouldn't there, if we have a real audience? Mm-hmm. 500. What? 500. 501, mister. You better check your numbers again. Uh-oh. And you better quit the concern with those damn engineers. Will do. Boy, that was just uh, mind blowing. Even, even little George was just. I, I can't. Uh, you know, I was defending him up until that point. He thought he thought that you were sitting on the porcelain bus. Sure. To find out you were. Uh, I mean, that's chatting. the only acceptable excuse is when you. He was can't. chatting. We thought it was something that rhymed with that. But yeah. Uh-uh. Biggest name. Uh-huh. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. So. It's Dave. In Miami town. At 560 WQAM. 
Let's laugh at smart holes and seal their fears by talking about sports while drinking a beer. They desire, of course, to be a submissive queer for some yellow chop scratch. Yellow chop scratch. Yellow chop scratch. queers want to hear sports all day. Yellow chop scratch. Yellow chop scratch. The management here is undeniably gay. Anyone who wants to hear just sports all stinking day is dreaming about a locker room, golden shower spray. Yellow chop scratch. Hey, how about those dolphins? What a game they played. And somebody's kid with the hurricanes. You talk about it all the time. Make you a faggot, I'm afraid. You like yellow chop scratch. Turning and burning out morning shows. No interest in learning about radio. Just a sausage party for a few sportful homos who like yellow chop scratch. You do fairly. Yellow chop scratch. Yellow chop scratch. Sport holds his teas. Who are and out? Yellow chop scratch. Yellow chop scratch. They're on your mind to be in your mouth. Sports fight. Sports fight. Sports fight. Sports fight. Sports fight.